problem with my neighbor and reaching into their pocket and pulling out $700 and crumpled hundreds uh, or so hum twenties as they call them. And, uh, and, you know, putting it on my desk and saying, uh, you know, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Is that what you dealt with a lot of the time was neighbor disputes? Oh yeah. Yeah. Easement and water fights and fights over water. you know, when there's like plenty of water for like about five households in the spring, you know, there are what the arguments about, but you know, yeah, it's not a secret. You know, and then, and then out of town attorneys, it's so funny because they'll, they'll like think that they've got some negotiating advantage on me uh, saying, I've got evidence that your client grows pot for a living i'm like ooh, you know gee you know um, it's, you yeah. don't say yeah really i mean it's like you know what probably your client does too <laughs> you know but yeah that's probably a safe assumption especially yeah, garberville area if they're living out in the in, uh, out there they're either telecommuters writers or well back then not even telecommuters it wasn't even an option so uh it just was um yeah it's so funny though when they're, when they're from out of town i think it's like a a big deal and it's like and i said you know what judges don't even want to hear about it unless it's specifically relevant to the case is that still a lot of your clientele now where it's legalized um i I mean you know i never did the marijuana stuff i did i left the marijuana defense to other people um at denson and the rest down there down that way i but but uh fights over easements um, you know, uh, subdivisions that were drawn without the help of attorneys or surveyors sometimes, you know, and deeds written out in crayon and somehow the recorder's office recorded it anyway. And I mean, just bizarre things. You know. Do you want a water or a beer or soda or anything? Um, that's We've got a ton good. of refreshments. What's that? Um, oh, let's see what you got. There's uh cold beer in the fridge. There's also water in the fridge. Uh, and then we've got, I mean, whiskey. We've got vodka. I'm a whiskey guy. There's a bottle of Crown down there at the bottom. Yep, there's a fresh one down there too. Oh, we got some of that. We're gonna go in. There's two. Uh, there's some red Solo cups right there on the bottom. Oh wow. Okay, we're going in on this one. Oh, might as well. Five o'clock somewhere. I didn't realize it's been what four or five months since we did our last one. I want to say, say it, wasn't, it wasn't long after the spring election, I think, right? I yes. I want to say August, September, maybe. Um, bottle. You could just, there's a trash right there on the left. You could set it down. after um the whole thing with karen um paz dominguez um you know just uh which i mean we're not even learning yet uh what the consequences of that are i think we're still miss, lo- losing millions every year there was supposed to be a follow-up of the state and i didn't see anything reported about it you know just uh, i know that there was pretty sizable settlement right she cashed um, out. She cashed out with. Um, Can you pull that? You want to oh yeah, be sure. Right up on that sucker. Yeah, she passed. She um, cashed out, so to speak, with. Um, oh, what was it? Um, 
the the uh, she got her wages till the end, and and the thing was was that she qualified for uh, I believe the issue one of the issues was she qu- did qualify for the retirement uh, proceeds as long as she made it to July, and um, but it was you know she was going to work straight through towards the end, but then the board just had it they wanted her out. And so they, yeah, they, they made it a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think she got a little bit of extra money um, other than that, but she could have been there doing it anyways, but she was able to collect it without having to um, do, you know, a, a lot of work. Um, now, just, I don't remember, where did you fall on that? Did you, Were you uh, on no, her I, side? I, were you no, against? I supported her. I supported her because I, they, I caught the, you know, the county just, they, the people, see, I, I I would say that I'm um, a little bit, um, uh, you know, critical. If I'm critical of her, it's her political effectiveness. She's about as effective as Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, you know. Just, um, but um, and there were things where you know I was like telling her, you know, because they were the the state was telling her just sign anything. I don't care, but she couldn't do that from her you know concept of it. I was just like saying, just do it. You know, get it, and then and then if it turns out that the report is inadequate, you can come back later and say, "See, I told you so." But which is what we would all want. You wouldn't want to attach your name to something that you wouldn't stand exactly, by. Exactly, exactly, and that's what she didn't want to do because it's it was it's just the the stuff wasn't being done right. And the interesting thing is is that the the state um, auditor controller didn't do uh, didn't release their report on it until afterwards, and it. I, I read it. I see it as an indictment of the county, not her. And um, you know, and and if they're right, we're losing millions every you know year. And they were, and, and the county was supposed to do a follow up, but the local media wanted to even discuss it. Shocking, yeah. right? Who would have thought that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what if it's like like the. I mean, I was able to get my piece um, published on Redheaded Black Belt. They they you know they were but you know she can only do so much. It's um um so it was uh because they were outright the, the county people were outright lying about um you know the um the, there was this whole flap about the Arcata house homeless uh, forget what it was and they weren't getting paid, right? And they were blaming her. They were supposed to there were half a million dollars in invoices that they're expecting to get paid from. And so um Ryan Burns was writing up an article, you know, based on, well, yeah, what's going on? Why is it taking so long? Well, it turns out they hadn't even, they, they got to the, um, um, to the, oh God, I'm forgetting what the name of the, the, um, agency is, you know, the county agency and it, it never got out of it. It, they never were submitted to it. So she showed me, they all of a sudden, when she calls up the woman at the, at the nonprofit, she says, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen your invoices except for that one months ago that we had to go to the board for and to get it paid, but I haven't seen them. And I think that woman then called up the um, the agency and started, uh, you know, read them in the riot act saying, Where, what, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, the night before Ryan Burns' article that slammed her for it was, um, was to be posted, um, all of a sudden, like uh, 30... Um, of the invoices magically appeared on the queue that she's you know supposed to, and she she showed it to me. Said this is the queue. When they come in, we deal with it. 
And all of a sudden she had it. And she actually moved it to the top of her list. She normally takes them in order, but she actually made sure that those all got paid right away. No coverage of the fact that they just mysteriously appeared on it. I, I, I tried to contact um, you know, the Lost Coast Outpost on it. They were doing the coverage. Anyway, it's just um, – it was it was kind of sad, and so I, I published that my thoughts in the um, um, uh, the redheaded black belt, and uh, got no response from anybody. None. Zero. It seems like she got a bum deal. Oh my god! I mean, from it's the information, I had her on the podcast, and we talked for a few hours, and yeah. sh- uh, it's seems like they just wanted her out. They wanted her out. I mean, okay, you know, there were things that she was really stubborn on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, but. So I'm not going to say it was right, definitely. But, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say it's all on, on them, but, but, but they lied and, and I knew they lied because they lied. Um, they, I knew they weren't above lying. They lied through their teeth during the measure K campaign. Um, you know, uh, saying that the measure K was going to cost 300,000 a year with all these bogus, um, estimates and stuff. And, uh, and so anyway, um, uh, oh, could I get one of those ice cubes? Thanks. Um, the, so, so yeah, it was, I mean, they, you know, when Rex Bone said, yeah, let's find out how much this thing is going to cost. And they started making stuff up. Uh, as to what it was going to cost, and um, so anyway, it um, it, it was uh, th- they lied about that, so I knew they'd lie about anything. Um, but uh, anyway, that's all under the bridge; it's done. But you know. now, are you worried at all about Cheryl in that role? No, I think I, Cheryl from... actually means well and wants to do but what, what she I've can. heard is that. Sh- there's going to be a chance that she's just going to be more willing to play ball. That yeah. She's going to rubber yeah. stamp what has Dominguez might not have. That's her, that's her history. But I don't, you know, and I don't think she even wanted to be there. I think they came and said, wait, you got to run. Um, because the guy that was running against her had less experience than she did. Um, and so, you know, I don't think she even wants to be in there. I think she's ready to stay, reti- was ready to stay retired and, Got pulled back in. Got pulled back in. Yeah. So, I I mean, uh, as far as I know, and even Karen thought she's basically a good person, but probably just will get along because not not trying to make waves. That's she, what scares me. The go along to get along yeah. is a problem. It's a problem, and uh, and I you know who knows if she'll even be in there the whole term. She, you know, they might be grooming somebody else. So anyway, it's just. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I, I was really disappointed in that, uh, it, in that, and in the media coverage of it, most of the media, not all the media, but most of the media. Well, the media coverage story is national now. The problem yeah. with just completely leaving information out, not covering subjects that should be covered. Yeah. Just the complete lack of hard hitting journalism, which is gone. Yeah, we just we don't we don't we aren't having a whole lot of it. I do. I'm mostly impressed with redheaded black belt. Been for a long time. I don't know what happened to all the guys over at Lost Coast Outpost. They used to be Mavericks. I mean, I remember Ryan Burns when he was with the North Coast Journal. I mean, they were terrified of him. They wouldn't even you know people Leo Lancy and and um, and and Estelle Fennell and them. They wouldn't even interview with him. Maybe. 
maybe that's the thing. Maybe they'll do it now. I don't know. You know, it's well, just... that the ease of access is what has been explained to me that once you get inside and you have access to these people, why risk that by asking difficult questions? Why upset them? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't speculate on it. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try to get into people's head, but I just was really disappointed in, in the coverage. Anyway, so are we started? Or? Yeah, well, oh, we're going. Oh, we're, we're going. Oh, we're, okay. we're live. Rolling start, oh, baby. Okay. All right. So how how is life? How's the Redwood Walk? Uh, Redwood Walk is fun. We do it, uh, you know, once a week. Um, it's um, you guys are plugging right along. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're getting more audience members and and the rest, and it's uh, it's it's a fun job. I it's a little bit different from my KMUD programming. Now, what do you do for KMUD? Um. I I have a, a once a month uh, talk show, all things reconsidered. Um, did that for a while. I, the statute of limitations from NPR show is uh, long since uh, it, it's satire anyway. So, um, but um, the um, and I've done that since like two thousand. Um, it was my first show, and um, and then I um, had um, oh. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I do a Monday morning magazine with Julia Minton as well, um, uh, once a month. And so, yeah, I've been doing working for them a lot longer. I was doing a show on KHSU too. Um, so it, um, and then when that folded up, the, um, access humble people approached me about doing a show. Do you have a blog too? Or do you I do. do. Blog so, okay, so, I, um, I so like I'm, so yeah, I'm not as active on it as I used to be. I just don't have the kind of time to do it and it's kind of you know becoming dated as a form you know as a format but there's still plenty of regulars who come and want to argue and i just kind of let them argue um and uh in the like but yeah so hum parlance uh which you know so it started out as a blog about southern humble but turned into anything all subjects blog so yeah people like to go in when they're in the comments and yeah. just say whatever's on their mind yeah and, and you got to just let them run loose. I, I, I mostly, unless unless they're defaming somebody or you know or or bringing up things that are real private, I pretty much let them go. Let them go. Yeah, just um, it's you know, and, and, and most of them are kind of respectful. They're a couple of idiots, but you know, just uh, do it. I there, sometimes I'll do it when somebody is. I'll interfere if like one person is just posting over and over and over again and dominating it. And nobody else is able to even participate because this guy's gut is his whole life is around it. And so I'll like say, you know what, you, you cut down to some of those posts. First of all, you, you could do them in larger posts, you know, instead of doing two sentences per post and crowding everybody else out. So I'll interfere like that just to, to keep it. Also, I'll um, th there's limits as to how far I'll let somebody take it off subject. I get, I'm, I'm pretty try to rein them in. Yeah. You know, just try to do that. Um, it's, um, you know, of course a blog can't be sued for defamation, but I still don't want that on my, on, on my blog. I don't, I don't want it to become a, you know, 4chan cesspool. Kind of thing. Yeah. Thing like that. And, um, and obviously proprietary stuff I could be nailed. For, so I, I watched for that. But other than that, it's pretty, um, Pretty much. I'm kind of a free speech guy who believes that, you know, you actually have the right to, um, I disagree with Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. I think you have a right to yell um, fire in a crowded theater. Um, you should have a right. And, uh, you know, and it's up to everybody else to, like, take a look around and not panic. But 
So free speech <clears throat> absolutist, would you say? I I wouldn't say absolute absolute, but I would say uh, my threshold is uh, pretty high in terms of what I allow. So so, what do you make of our current climate with free speech? Because it doesn't seem like that point of view is in the majority, or well, at least the vocal majority. Well, I you know I mean there's no, there's very little the government is doing that's um that's uh, to interfere with it so far. Um, Have you been? Following the Twitter files? Yeah, but that's a private company. I don't agree yeah, with Yeah, but the government decision. interference doesn't. Does that make you uncomfortable? No, I looked at it, and the only thing that the, the, the only thing I saw was that the FBI had put out a warning um, that there might be some Russian misinformation campaign. Unfortunately, that appears to have been timed with the release of the information about Biden, Hunter Biden's laptop. And so it's been perceived as the FBI trying to suppress the story about the laptop. But the FBI was just had a general warning that, hey, watch out. This misinformation campaign, just like 2016, is coming. Um, and nobody said, well, it, you know, they didn't say, oh, well, look, watch out for the Hunter laptop story. So I, I don't see as that. And then the Biden campaign, apparently what I've seen, the only complaint that they filed with Twitter wasn't, uh, the story about the laptop, but was about the dick pic, um, of, of Hunter Biden. So I, you know, I, I mean, I saw the Glenn Greenwald releases and stuff like that, and I'm a little uncomfortable about it, but I don't really see a uh, I- interference there. I think, um, I think Musk and uh, Greenwald kind of went off half cocked on that. But really, yeah, that's your that's your take. That's my take. Um, because I, I, you know, I'm I'm reading the stuff and I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing. What about Hamilton '68 or or the blacklist that they were doing? None of that. I don't know what read you wrong. I'm not sure what's what's Hamilton 68. Hamilton 68. I, I've been going down a little bit of a black hole with this. Is a basically a dashboard that they were using in these. They were using it to run all of these Russian bots are doing this. Mm-hmm. These hashtags are promoted by the Russians, and it was all cited from this one site, Hamilton 68. Right. And Hamilton 68 said, "Oh, we have this proprietary list of all of these bots, and we can't release the list because." then Russia would just delete the bots and start over with the new right. campaign. And it turns out most of the people they were citing were just were average Americans, people. Canadians, British people. And they were u- news organizations were using this citing, Oh, this is all the information. And who put Russian it out? Bots. This was part of the Twitter files release. Okay. I think right. it was Twitter files. Right. 15, the 15th release they yeah. did. But you know, I mean, I, I'd be concerned about that if they were, like, mislabeling people as bots. But they did do that, too. Yeah. That yeah. was part of They did. They right. had instances where, uh, what is the parent company of the vaccine? BioNTech. Mm-hmm. Where they had people from there reach out to Twitter to get people pulled right. for things as simple as saying, oh, we need a universal vaccine or a vaccine that's cheaper. Like it shouldn't be patented. We should. Yeah, that that sounds like overkill. I crazy, mean, it, yeah, crazy, and yeah, just blacklists yeah. of. I think that's the newest one that came out today. So were they actually canceling accounts? Yeah, okay, there was yeah, a yeah. an account. This was part of the one I was trying to get into today. A list of forty thousand people that they had labeled as part of some radical party, I believe, in India. And it turns out it's just Americans, forty thousand mm-hmm. people, and they're like, "Oh, here you go, Twitter, ban these people." And Twitter and just Twitter's did like, it. we know this is bullshit, but we're going to do it. Yeah, because there's all these alphabet agencies that are coming to Twitter saying, you right. need to pull these people and just do that. 
I, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't followed on that. I've, I've just been following the Greenwald, um, you know, story and the, and the Musk releases of the, the emails. And I just know that I was underwhelmed as I, you know, was about a few other things uh, along those similar lines. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of the a DNC. I supported Bernie Sanders both times. I, I believe that Bernie Sanders was defeated because he did not unlock the key to the black vote, the Southern black vote in particular. He got crushed on Super Tuesday both times. And most of us who pay attention to politics saw it coming. Then what happened is emails were released, internal emails, the DNC, they hated his guts, but we all knew that. Um, but and they, And then they said, well, maybe one of them said, well, maybe we should use his atheism against him and the rest. And like, yeah, okay, that looks pretty bad, except it never actually happened. Right. I mean, it was tough talk and and they did that. And so I'm, I went through all of those emails and I said, OK, there's definitely a toxic culture that support you know, that they they decide in DNC that they're going to back a candidate and um, and, you know, they're communicating to each other about it. And it was leaked. But was there actually anything done to undermine Bernie Sanders? I don't. I, I didn't see evidence of that in those emails. And the Greenwald thing was the same thing. I see these communications of the FBI saying, "Watch out for the Russian bot campaigns." And then the Hunter Biden thing comes there, and some Twitter executives decide to interpret that as, "Oh, that must be what it is," and 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 that's seen as an act of government censorship. I need more information before I draw that conclusion, but I, because none of the emails said, oh, and uh, by the way, there's going to be a story about the Hunter Biden uh, laptop. Watch out for it because that's part of the Russian disinformation. That's not in any of the emails from the FBI. I think the Greenwald must have been one of the first releases because a lot more has come out that shown has shown direct that there have been monthly phone calls, very frequent sit-downs. They, well, they between, talk all the time. No, but of them just bringing information to Twitter saying censor these accounts and Twitter. Okay. I, I have not seen that. Yeah. I mean, I, all I've seen is the Musk Greenwald releases. Um, Hamilton 68 is a, is a prime example of that as well of them just doing these just blanket censorship, blanket banning of accounts. Twitter, I believe with Hamilton 68 specifically knew that the accounts on that were just conservatives. Yeah. And that if they just started blanket banning, it would be every conservative on the platform because they all fell under that list. And the, these agencies were pushing that and they were just going along with it. I'll have to look that up when I... You might be surprised. Back, There's some crazy so. stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for it um, and all of that. But, but again, Twitter is a private platform. If you don't like it, Use another one. There's there's Mastodon. There's um, there's whatever the thing that uh, Trump set up. I, I forget True social. True social, right. I mean, you've got plenty of other alternatives. You don't like the way they do business, then don't do it. That, that's, that's, you know, a difference there. So it's... I would buy that <laughs> argument if it wasn't the government doing it. If, it. if it was just Twitter banning these people and it was arbitrary and they were doing it because they didn't like the opinions, maybe. Well, Twitter didn't, did, Twitter didn't have to follow that information i mean it's not like the fbi can do anything to them but they're not they did. that's the scary well, that's, part is they that, did that that is um you know i mean it's um and I, not just the I fbi mean, Twitter just CIA, last week apparently dhs barred somebody i can't remember what it was for oh a, a woman a republican woman who was sloppy with her wording 
But she said, um, you know, she was really upset that Biden allowed the balloon to fly across the country. And she said, shoot, lock, load, kill or some stupid thing like that. But there was no mention of the balloon in the tweet. It was response to something Vice President Harris had said. And they blocked her and or they they canceled her account. That's concerning to me because look for the context and just, you know, request that she clarify what she she meant. I'm sure she got a visit from Secret Service. Um, you know, and they and and they would do all that. So that was um, and that was Twitter under Musk making this decision. So um, that was jumping the gun, I think, because you know, the more I look at it, I, and like I said, my criticism of her is that's real sloppy wording when you're talking about the president, and you've got things like shoot, kill in your tweet. You better damn well make sure you're communicating clearly. So. You know that that was um, you know my my concern there. Did Secret Service contact him say shut down this account? Um, you know I don't know, um, but uh, but this is Twitter under Musk. So why is it happening? So you know he's supposed to be the libertarian. Of course he's banning. He, he's canceling all kinds of accounts, right and left. Um, people that are critical of him. People that are, you know. It, but that's his right. It's he owns it. So, you know, he's, uh, he, I mean, spent what, $50 billion on it. He ought to be able to do what he wants. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. It's again, it's just the government aspect that worries me. I think when the government starts playing with speech and we know where that goes and it doesn't lead to a good place. Uh, yeah. If they are using the coercive apparatus to do it. Well, if somebody comes knocking from the CIA and they're like, Hey, you need to ban these accounts. You need to do this. I wouldn't pay attention to it. I, I would say, uh, tell me why. Give me good reason. Uh, I think the problem is the people that were in positions of power at Twitter towed the party line because it was against people that they would generally disagree with. I think that's why I, I, it gets I'm not dicey. sure. There are a bunch of them who could claim to be libertarians, so I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that um, as to what their political affiliations were. Maybe they got scared and did it, and if they did that, then I'd be concerned about it. If they had reason to believe that there were going to be some type of uh, government, um, um, you know, coercive activity, I would say fine. If it's um, if it's the government providing a list saying, "Hey, we think these are a bunch of you know assholes, so you should cancel their account," I'm concerned about it, but less so. I mean, they're like a voice, like anyone else, except that maybe you say, "Oh God, they can't. Uh, maybe they can't tell me the secret reasons why these people are there." So I'd be worried about that today. But I certainly wouldn't, um, you know, ban anyone on my blog because some authorities contacted me. I'd I'd say, "Tell me why." You know, give me the reason and maybe I'll agree with you, but you better tell me what the reason is. And, um, I, you know, th that that there was this liberal Democrat DNC cabal at Twitter. I'm not convinced of that. I think it's a bunch of people that were, you know, <clears throat> clearly wanting to cover their asses um, and probably just not make a mistake that could get them in trouble. I, I don't know. But um, it's um, he did fire a lot of people. But my understanding is he fired people who were Republicans. So just because, you know, he wanted to have a complete change. Um, well, I think it was su such a cluster you had to go in and clean house. It was just a mess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's up to him. It's his company. I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. I don't know if it was that big of a mess. If uh, Again, it's a private platform. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm less concerned about a private platform than I am of active, coercive censorship. You should check back into the files. I think you might find something new 
this time that would I'll my, try, but every time reassess. I go, I get it's like, okay, give me something to be mad about. And I just haven't, you know, every time they come out with this, it's like, you know, okay, rather than throwing a bunch of emails out there, why don't you take a particular email and say, this is the smoking gun. This is the one we're talking about. But it's sort of like, you know, whenever somebody questions Greenwald on it, he says, well, it's it, it's the whole thing. It's not just, you can't just point to any one email. Any one of them are fine, but all of them together mean this. And it's like, I'm reading, I'm like, I don't know if it means that. So, I don't think that the Hunter Biden story is the most impactful aspect. Yeah. I think it's a problem knowing that the FBI had the laptop for a year before it came out and they knew it was legit and then they just so happened to go to these platforms and say hey if this if something comes out might be russian disinformation maybe, maybe. But why, who knows but, but why didn't they just why weren't they specific then why didn't they say hey you we got you got a big story coming that's going to be you know busted they, they took a chance on miscommunication there i mean the the hunter biden laptop story it's, what's your take on that it, well first of all I I think if anybody has a a, a gripe against Biden, uh, Hunter Biden, it should be Burisma, the company, because I think he's a bullshit artist who basically goes in and and sold uh, influence he didn't have. What did they get? A ten minute conversation on the tarmac of an airport somewhere. The um the and, and the interesting thing is is they would say well Biden got the um the prosecutor who investigated him fired, but that prosecutor had actually closed the investigation. Um, and and part of the reason he was being fired was he was closing all kinds of investigations against companies, including Burisma. Um, Burisma was um, being investigated for something that happened years before Biden was there, was some uh, possible bribe of, of, of somebody. And, um, and they concluded they didn't have evidence on it. So when Biden gets this guy fired, He's taking a chance that the next guy will come in and start reopening these files, including the Burisma file. And in fact, because of all of the controversy and the whole thing with Trump wanting you know, the dirt and everything being in the media, the next person actually did take another look at it and still concluded, no, there's nothing here and certainly nothing that involves the Bidens. And so so it's like – you know what what exactly is it revealing well that hunter biden is you know an addict and kind of an asshole and ripped off barisma for hundreds of thousand dollars to get influence to peddle influence that he didn't have um that's that's a controversy but you know like i said that's biden's son and everybody's you know got relatives like that and he's a he's we we know he's had addiction issues and we know that he's you know just does the stuff, but the, he was cashing in. Uh, my dad is vice president, you know, Hey, yeah, hire me. Uh, you know, and, uh, if anybody has the right to be, you know, maybe sue for false advertising or something, it's probably that company. Do you think there's any credence to the idea of selling access being a problem? I think it is a problem if you've got it and you do it. Um, and, um, and, you know, especially if there's influence, if Hunter's saying, oh, dad, can you push this influence? Can you get this prosecutor fired? Can you do that? That's way out of line, of course, way over the top. Um, maybe Biden shouldn't have even done that 10 minute conversation at the tarmac that we'll never know what that was about, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly looks bad. And one of the things that you have to say about it, that is fair game is you're supposed to, when you're in positions of power like that is, um, is you not only, um, 
are supposed to not be to do the impropriety stuff, but you ha you're supposed to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. And there's definitely an appearance of impropriety between that and the Chinese thing. Uh, whether or not Biden is the big guy or whatever it, it is uh, as to what it exactly was sold. Um, again, it's sort of like, well, what did they get for it? I'm not sure. Well, they, well, we'll find out, right? You know, well, we haven't so far. And uh, and would that have had an impact on on the election? I really doubt it, not without something a lot more specific. And it, by the way, the story did get out before the election. I, I was reading about it in mainstream NBC and the rest. It was it was was not covering it maybe the way that some people wanted them to cover it. They wanted this to be the scandal of the century. And I, I just I, I think it was pretty weak tea. Uh, like like I said. Hunter Biden, it, it, the appearance is bad, and the and the and Biden, when he was vice president, should have said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to meet with your friends. Um, sorry." And um, and maybe even have made a statement once the um, once the the laptop story came out and and, and said, "No, I didn't I clarify it." You know, the and, and even made the whole point that the media has been making that the prosecutor that I got fired had already closed, closed the thing. You know, you got to look at the timing of all this. And, uh, and you know, he'd been covering up and probably was paid by Burisma to do that. Who knows? But then the next guy came in and looked at it and said, I'm still not seeing anything. Well, I think the story of the laptop was overshadowed by the story of the suppression. Right. And the active hiding of it. Oh yeah, the lack no. Of right, desire to cover it or do anything with it, and just brand it as misinformation and throw it away. Yeah, but the Biden, and this is the misleading thing. They, they, there's claim out there in right wing media that Biden called up and told uh, Twitter to suppress the story and filed a complaint. But the only thing that the Biden uh, campaign called about was the naked picture of of Hunter saying this violates your standards, and and they did it through the formal complaint system of flagging. That that particular thing, they did not say suppress the the, the story. And they probably, you know, maybe even if they, w I'm not saying they didn't want it suppressed. I'm saying they were definitely uh, at least clever enough to avoid avoid that. But they, but what they definitely wanted off was was the dick pic, because that could actually have an impact. You, know? you don't think it's almost too much of a coincidence that the FBI, which they knew that it was a legit story. They knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. They had it, again, for a year. They just happened to go right before it gets out that, oh, maybe something's going to come down the pipe and you should probably just disregard it because the Russians. I'm not convinced that the FBI is is somebody who's backs Biden or Clinton um, because one of the reasons that, um, going back to Comey, one of the reasons he released it a couple of weeks early is he was actually trying to do damage control because there were a bunch of right-wingers out there saying, we're going to leak this story if you don't make a statement about it, right? Um, I mean, the FBI is um, is not a left-wing organization. People who are left-wing don't, you know, grow up saying, I want to be a FBI agent. It's just not in, in, in the character. Now, are they invested in powers, you know, with the global elite or something like that? You know, I, I mean, okay, you know, possibly, but it looks like even that one FBI with the the guy and, and his um, girlfriend or wife, I don't remember what they were, you know, talking about how they wanted Trump to lose. They weren't even fans of Clinton. 
they just saw her as the lesser evil, right? It's um, and and it looks like he did get in trouble, but it was, but even what they wanted to charge him with was a lot more than he actually did. So I'd have to be convinced that the FBI was this, has been t- somehow taken over by this left wing cabal, and I just don't see how that happens. I don't think it's a left wing cabal. I think it's, I mean, tying back into KPD. I think it's a willingness to play ball, and I think Biden is more willing to play the political game because he is a product of that system. And so if we keep Biden in and we can kind of get done what we need to get done. I mean, did they, did, did Trump frustrate any of their stuff? I, I, I need to see evidence of that. I mean, but why come out and say that it's Russian disinformation when they know that it's not? Well, no, th- that's the thing. I don't think they were, there's, we're, we don't know if they were talking, there was definitely a Russian disinformation campaign I don't think it was very effective. No, but I believe around. after it was released, they came out they and said. Should, they should have come out and said, no, I don't think the FBI ever t- tied the Hunter Biden laptop story to that. I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll definitely check after we, we we finished here. But my understanding is they never tied it to. Now, maybe they ought to clarify and said, no, that's not what we're talking about. Um, but what they were talking about was a bot thing of of memes going out this is what happened in 2016 they, they but that's a lie too there was no that's part of the twitter files uh, there's there's no evidence that russian disinformation there, or russian campaigns swayed the 2016 election uh, you're, you're talking about the the specific accounts but the memes that got flooded all over i saw them they came yeah, across but my thing there's no evidence that those were russian bots that those were just real people organically spreading, spreading stuff spreading yeah, but organic stuff. right I, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, I, I thought that like multiple uh, intelligent organizations can uh, said that they or- originated, that it originated with Russia. That's part of the Twitter right. files is right. that uh, that's a lot of bullshit that huh? there was no mass Russian campaign with the use of bots to go spread this, that it's just organic stuff that they didn't like happening. I feel like I'm the conspiratorial yeah, guy. Yeah, you're saying I this, don't know. I'm going to have crazy. to take a look at that. I, you know, I, again, I, it's, um, I mean, I saw the stuff coming across my feeds. I don't network. I think there's a lot people. more that's come out from the Greenwald. I believe they're up to 17 releases. Yeah. And I'm, why don't they time? release yeah. the best stuff first then? I mean, you know, I, I only, I, I lost interest after like the third release. But I, mean, I think that's when I got in was around three or five. And I started I'll, saying, okay, what is going on here? I'll take a look at it. I, you know, Greenwald has gone off the deep end on a bunch of things. And so that's the other thing is they probably, he probably shouldn't have chosen Greenwald to, to be the, the person and let him write an article about it. Not just do releases on Twitter. Let You're not write. a fan of the Twitter thread idea. I, I've never gotten into Twitter. I, I, um, I would prefer a comprehensive article with a beginning, a middle, and an end that tells us what you think is going on, Glenn Greenwald's analysis, and, and citing the evidence of it. I'm not a fan of the Twitter format at all. I don't participate much in it except to see videos. Um, I downloaded it just to go through the Twitter files. That's the only reason I got Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, so... I, I guess I'll have to get caught up on it, but I just haven't I, I haven't seen anything that says that. I did see the um the their you know, the media reports about how the Russian thing was oversold, but I I haven't say, seen that it didn't exist. So, you know, I don't know. By my understanding from what I've read, it seems like it was a hundred percent bullshit. 
Well, that they just the, oversold it to try to. The reason I question that is because there were, um, a, a, there were you could actually see how much uh, Russian information came onto your feed in Facebook. But what what you makes could, it Russian information? Was it in Russian? Was uh, it? I think that they the, that they had traced things back to something coming through um, something in the Middle East, and but see that's part that's part of the problem is it's all this abstract stuff that is coming from the FBI or the CIA that we can't really fact check, and then it comes out from the except that when Twitter Facebook files. did imp- did provide an app that could tell you the origins of the um, of the memes that were coming across your feed. They did they and and everybody was doing it. It did see now again. I don't know anything about the logarithms or anything as to how they they calculated that. But Facebook itself had um, had said, yeah, something really weird happened there that was beyond organic. So they they weren't necessarily concluding it was a Russian campaign. They just said something really strange happened that cannot be described as organic. But I don't know. Maybe it was just that there was uh, that there hadn't been an organic thing like that before that it happened um it 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 was and i know that i also ran into facebook the definite bots on the forums because anytime i tried to start a conversation with them it didn't make sense oh well there are definitely bots i don't think anybody's arguing the idea that those are out there right it's tied to when and where they've been used and for what purpose yeah well i mean it, it was specifically any time I saw something that was questionable during the 2016 campaign because it was being reported that it was happening. And that's the scary thing is that's it, all they have to do is just report right, it. Right, and then but where are you? But, but, but then so so then when somebody would post one of these things on a Facebook forum, I would start questioning that person, and I wouldn't I couldn't get a conversation going. I mean, so it was that's anecdotal. That's just me and the rest. And sometimes there were questions about it and sometimes they were incoherent just because i think they were incoherent doesn't necessarily mean they're a bot it's just they just yeah not everybody's a genius right yeah or or even or even you know putting halfway thought into anything they're publishing i mean uh, you know there's there's one guy i know who just basically has uh things on a, a cut and paste that he just posts it hits but i know it's it's a real person just because of the dynamics of it i don't think a bot is that complicated that it could respond and try to taunt me i mean if they've got a bot that can deliberately try to think they're being clever and trying to taunt me by repeating something over and over again um well that's pretty advanced but i you know in which case there's no hope but it was but i would test it out and and um and, and could tell so there were definitely bots that were were posting stuff on facebook forums um i you know that that i could find how many of them i don't know i'm just it was anecdotal I, it wasn't the majority of people who were posting that's for sure but i did encounter them and and since then facebook um facilitators have re, have uh, up their um forum facilitators uh, have up their um caution on it by asking for you know answers to questions that could point to whether or not it was even if it uh, responded uh, in, in a certain way if it seemed too mechanical and they could test it out. So I think that has improved since then. Um, it um, because I, I, I'm a moderator in a couple of forums and yeah, bots try to get in all the time. Um, you know, we and and so they answer the questions in a kind of a rote manner, and then I say, oh, can you elaborate on this? And then I don't get a response. Um, you know, so it just um, 
like I said, how prevalent was it? Was it as big a deal as, uh, as, um, you know, they, they say, um, it, uh, it definitely wasn't, I mean, and definitely they were saying, well, a lot of the pro Bernie stuff was part of the Russian bot campaign, but Bernie had young people that organized a very effective social media campaign. Clinton didn't have that. Um, that was part of what gave him an edge for a while. Um, so, you know, were they putting up bots? I don't know, but as long as it was, but were they Russian? If they were, I don't know, but it just, um, it, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'll have to go take a look at the Hamilton. Yeah, we'll have to we'll yeah. have to chat after you dive right. through that. It'd be interesting to get your take. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but again, this is just you know, like I said, my anecdotal thing. It it they were definitely there, and they and definitely not. And there was an app where you could see how many of them came from possible what were suspect. Uh, but if that list. If it was simply the list that the FBI or or some other or entity had provided, then obviously it doesn't mean much, does it? So, um, you know, as opposed to having some real reason to believe that um, that it was a Russian misinformation campaign, there were definitely memes where the English was questionable. But I and and I remember I thought well, I, I would think that Russia would be a little more clever than that. So yeah, those are probably American. <laughs> yeah, those are probably yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, um, right. Or, you know, or from an, or somebody from another country, but not necessarily a government. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is a crazy time. Yeah. It, it is it a crazy is a weird time. world that we are living in right now. Right. And there is a, a, a question as to whether or not these platforms, because they have such monopolies, um, shouldn't be under some type of control. We have control over other medium, right? Well, do you buy into the argument that they should be classified as public utilities? like a phone company that we should get that protection from. Them. I mean, if that's the case, I would like to see newspapers be under fall under the same thing with the radio. Actually are the FCC. It's kind of a public utility. I think that's extreme, but I would say that maybe if, if, if there is such a monopoly, we have uh, an idea of um, that, you know, this is where the discourse is. There is actually a, um, a, a body of law that says if you are, if you are have private property and you're treating it like a public kind of compound, that you have to allow a certain level of freedom of speech on that compound. Malls, um, particularly strip malls, have to allow people to be able to leaflet <clears throat> the rest because it's quasi-public, even though it's privately owned. So maybe there's something in that. Um, but they don't want to go too far because they do want people to be able to control their private property to a certain degree. And so basically, as long as you're uh, leafleting in a way that does not interfere with business, it's protected, even if if you're on private property. So maybe there's something like that that could be exercised. But man, you're looking you're you're looking at a um a, a slippery slope there because then who decides what is inappropriate if, if you're talking about content? I think that's where we are now. Is uh, the willingness to just censor blatantly right but if you if you have a, a congress pass a law that says the fcc or somebody can actually uh you know go in and say you have to delete that um you know or you're going to well jail it'll be fined or whatever that's different from you know just the uh, uh, putting out a list of things that's that's false or or even right correct yeah but opening it up as a public utility would eliminate that possibility right you can't just stop somebody from making phone calls to a number you don't like um, I, I don't know. Public utility is, a it's basically, I mean, we, we privatize it. 
um, you know, we we've got PG&E, which I think ought to be dissolved, but um, but it's um, it's a private company, and but it but it is highly regulated, um, and so if you're talking about um, regulating a platform for freedom of speech, and then Congress or somebody decides to take a particular step towards, uh, well, we're going to make sure it's free, and uh, therefore you need to do this. Well, then you've got the government exercising direct control over the format of it, and that could be problematic um, because, you know, who decides what is appropriate and what is inappropriate speech? That's my whole problem with speech codes, for instance, is it's subjective. I mean, you know, um, I, um, I understand, for instance, the impulse behind having hate crimes, right? We, we can't, the government can't ban hate, hate speech. It's protected outright um campuses can but that's a different um a different framework but a, but the government can't do that but what they can do is they can um have a crime where if it's violent and it appears to be racially motivated they can have a special penalty for it aka a, a, a um hate crime um but you're putting into uh the power, the power into the hands of district attorneys and other government officials to determine what's a hate crime and what a lot of people don't realize, and I'm not saying as to whether or not they're valid or invalid, but in Chicago, something like two-thirds of the hate crime um, prosecutions are of black people. Um, so, Black people perpetrating the hate crime? Yes. Yeah. Um, There's a shocker. That's a, that's a shocker. So is it because there is these deep prejudices in in Chicago, granted, it's a huge part of the population too. I don't know if it's two thirds, but it is disproportionate. Or is there bias in the prosecution of it that you're that that maybe prosecutors are more likely, just like other crimes, to prosecute a black person um, for that than they are a white person? There's definitely prejudice in every community. You know, they, there's definitely anti-Semitism in the black community, anti-Asian sentiment in the black community, just as there's anti-black sentiment in the Asian community. I mean, you know, it's um, it, it is that way around. But we need to take a look at it because when you have these laws, you're putting it into it. It ultimately comes to a decision by a human being. A, is it subjective? Attorney. What classifies as a hate crime? Well, it it needs to be you. They need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the crime itself was motivated by hate of a particular group. Hatred How do you of a prove that though? Group. How do you show that in court? Well, sometimes it's obvious. I mean, sometimes. Well, yeah, if they you, come you in maybe that, with right. a SWAT, right? Like but I actually defended somebody back. I don't do much criminal law anymore, but I actually defended somebody who was accused of a hate crime because he got into a fight with somebody who was Samoan called him the n-word which was you know ignorant on several different levels <clears throat> excuse me um and um but i got it i managed to get that part of it dismissed in 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 the um interim because because it was because the fight started before that said it and it was just you know of course your biases come out when you're under stress and um and the n-word just came out it wasn't that he was motivated to start a fight because of that he was motivated because of some other real stupid stuff um you know as usually happens in a bar fight um so you got to be careful about it because just because the n-word is being used in the commission doesn't mean that the crime itself is motivated by that and the theory between hate crime is that is that if you can create a special punishment for it you can deter that particular crime um possibly 
I don't know that you can, but you know, if if, if they're really that uh, you know far gone that they're going to actually commit a crime based on motivation against that particular group, I'm not sure that you think in terms of oh. I better not do that because if I get convicted of assault and battery, I'm going to be serving, you know, two and a half years rather than one and a half year. People don't think like that, right? You know, so I'm not quite sure if it's anything other than just making people feel good about, well, this person is more evil than somebody who just pounds on somebody for stupid reasons, you know, um, like I want their wallet or, you know, or. Uh, it's like you're tacking on an additional charge just for right, but we we optics. do we do that all the time uh, with other uh, other types of things. It's enhanced if um, violence is enhanced if it's if it's sexually motivated uh, to you know do that. It's enhanced if you plan it ahead of time as opposed to um, you know the heat of the moment. Um, it's enhanced uh, if you use certain types of weapons. It's enhanced if but it, all those seem so much more definitive. You could tell if it's a sexual nature. You could tell by the abuse. Not necessarily. Um, it you you can you can have two people in a fight and there's contact made, you know that is and and then it gets charged that way because that's the assumption. You can and that has happened by the way. You know they 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 make those those type of things. It's not often, um, but you know you you have to do. It. But what but is it less definitive? I mean, certainly if you're, you know, at a white supremacist meeting and you say, we're going to go out and, you know, kick some, you know, blah, 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 that's, that's obvious. A little more cut and dry. Right. Um, if you're cre if you are, um, caught doing vandalism against a synagogue and you've, you know, you're, you're putting stars of David on with a slash mark. Yeah. You, you, that's, that's definitive. It becomes less obvious and, and the, uh, and every time there is a fight between somebody of different backgrounds than, you know, than it's suspected as the motive when, you know, there's all kinds of motives for being an asshole. Right. So it's just, it's, um, I, it, it reminds me of, um, you know, you're, you're too young to remember it, but when the series roots came out, it was a big national cultural deal. Um, it was bringing out discussions that really hadn't taken place before, Due to a national television thing, I think it was 1976. It was or about something. slavery, right? It was. It was. Um, it was Alex Haley's semi-auto uh, or not not autobiographical, but by history of his family, very much fictionalized. I mean, that's why it's called a novel, but based on his own family line, um, and um, and it dealt with a lot of issues, um, and it just raised the whole discussion of slavery during during that point in time, and there were a lot of other things going. It was like, you know, not quite a decade after Martin Luther King had been killed and a lot of other things happening. So there was a big discussion about it as to, you know, how this was going to be inflammatory. And my mother, who was a teacher in a school in San Francisco, had a kind of a conservative white principal. And the minute it came out, there were a lot of, um, the, the, uh, two, about two days after the first miniseries, it aired over the course of, I think, two weeks um, on whatever network it was on and um and about two days after it started a fight broke out between a white kid and a black kid and without any facts this principal in the teacher's room said it's that damn roots i tell you and it's like you know and the teacher's trying to tell him you know we, we, we've got about 
you know, a uh, hundred white kids and about 150 black kids in here. They they get into fights. Black kids get into fight with black kids. White kids get into fight with black kids. And sometimes black kids get into fights with with, with each other. And up until now, you've probably dealt with how many of these fights, Don? Um, and you didn't think it was due to some political thing. And then all of a sudden, Roots comes out, and two days later, and they were fighting over who got in, was first in line to get checkout balls, right? You know, for for playing outside. It was uh, it was you know a stupid fight that fourth grade kids get into. No evidence that either either of them even watched Roots, right? So so you've got that assumption coming out. Right. And that's so everybody makes an assumption that, you know, it's got to be based on on this. And um, and, and so that that jump to that rush to uh, a conclusion, I, I think, is something that a prosecutor, it's like, oh, well, there's a bar fight between, you know, a dark skinned guy and a light skinned guy it must be racially motivated. That shouldn't be the opening start of inquiry because there are a lot of fights between people of different backgrounds. Um, but now it feels like that's almost the most important factor. Um, in we in, in the cases we hear about in uh, in the media, but actually, I, I don't think it's necessarily the case on the ground with all of the cases. I think that there are a lot of very responsible prosecutors out there who will look at it, you know, and say, "Is there any evidence to that I should even look into this further?" And if 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 the motive for the fight is pretty clear and it's not racial, you know, fight over girlfriend or something like that, or just as they got drunk, um then they they won't make that assumption. But there's pressure on them to do that because if there's a high profile thing, something gets uh, ends up on YouTube, a fight that was, you know, started by one or another, then there's a push to say, well, that was obviously a hate crime. And um and they've got to look at that real carefully uh, because it's it's a it's something that's in public. And I, I and my guess is is that it get i I don't know, I don't have any evidence to support it, but if the um if you were to look at cases that were high profile because they got onto YouTube or some other medium, as opposed to cases that aren't on anybody's radar, more hate crimes are charged in that situation because they feel pressed to. But they got to be real careful because it's it's pretty easy to raise a reasonable doubt if the only basis, as a defense attorney, you can get up in front of the jury and say they're making an assumption here and there's no evidence to support it other than the fact that this person is white and this person has got this color of skin, and um, and they don't want to get, um, you know, have a, a jury ring their clock either. So they got to be careful. I have seen a ridiculous amount of videos lately of black kids beating the shit out of yeah. white people. Right. There was that viral video of that black kid on a bus who maybe was a middle schooler just beating the shit out of this little girl who was probably yeah. in elementary school, maybe. Right. And then another one of this kid, I think he was in middle school, beating the shit out of his teacher who was white. And obviously it's blowing up because it's black versus white. And so there's and because that it's element. on video. Um, yeah. But it's these kids beating the crap out of each other we and do, out of teachers. We, we do have to address some things in this country. Um, I... Um, there was a oh, <laughs> um, you want some more? No, I'm covered. Thank you. I'm I'm a lightweight. I don't do much drinking, so I better uh, stop there. But um, the um, the um, the, I did uh, I took a look at one time because it was reported that um through I forget what year it was. I think it was like 2018, maybe 2019. But there were documented covered by media attacks on Jews 
on the eastern seaboard, upper, you know, New Jersey to New York. Um, I, I, th- I forget how many, about 30 of them. And I was kind of curious as to who was doing it. And I went through each one and uh, about four or five, I couldn't determine the racial background of the attacker. But of all of those, only one I found was white. Um, they were either black or Arab. And this is an uncomfortable thing. Also, the attacks on Asians. We talk about how uh, it is it is disproportionately the ones that are being reported are disproportionately black. Now, this is not to say, you know, that anybody should conclude that black people are more racist than than anybody else. But it is an issue that we need to deal with. But there's a hesitation to even acknowledge that that's happening. Nobody, everybody gets mad when I point it out. When it, why did you even do that? And it's like, I was curious as to the backgrounds of people who were attacking them um, and, and doing these attacks. And it's, um, you know, it, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about, and, and there's a lot of explanations that point to things other than black people are more violently racist opportunity. You know, a lot of the poor white people who might be angry for whatever reason, t- they tend to live more in rural areas than urban areas. So they don't run into Jews or a- Asians as often. That doesn't mean they don't do it. And so if you were to do a proportional study, you'd probably find it wouldn't be all that much different. Right. It's um, it, it, it people it, and we do need to look. Nobody wants and on the right or left wants to deal with this is that you know, poverty does enhance um, the impacts of bias of, of racism or other prejudice. It just does. Uh, it's something we used to acknowledge. And and they don't and, and people don't want to do that. They say, well, what you're saying is poor people are more racist than white people, than rich people or middle class people. And say, no, that's not the case. It, the, the biases come out under stress. If your overall life is more stressed, and and you're angry in general, it's going to happen, right? And if you've got opportunity, so much more. So if you've got you know everybody blaming Asian people, particularly Chinese, uh, for um, for the um, for the virus, and you you personify it, that's why there was a rise and 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 continues to be a rise in in um, violence against Asians right now. It's it's the thing to do, but we need to acknowledge that it's um you know that that it is disproportionately um, certain groups that that are doing this. The other thing we we talk about too is um and and this is. You'll you'll find right wingers saying this all the time, and it's a true fact. The vast majority, not the vast majority, the majority of of people of men, actually hardly ever women, but of men who are killed by police officers are white. And you can't uh, say that. What's that? You can't say that. You know, but it's and it's it's true numerically, but it's not true proportionally. Um, they, the black people are 13% of the population and about a third of the people who are shot and killed by are, are, um, are, are black, um, white people are right around the same level as, as Latinos and something very interesting that nobody wants to talk about either. And it might be a different, totally different kind of bias, but the one with the lowest rate, and I'm not talking number and the lowest rate is our Asians. And it, it has to do with, you know, well. Maybe police don't perceive them as a threat. Maybe there's our cultural aspects of economic Asians. status <clears throat> probably comes into play. Well, no, they, supposedly th- this is where studies exclude for 
for um oh, that, they account for that. Most people most people who are shot and killed are lower class. Which is not a shock. No, when it's you think not. about it. It's not. It's uh it's it, right. It's 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 rare that a rich person gets shot what you know, whether you're black or white or, or the rest. It is it's it is you can argue it's more of a class issue and that um that's there. So if you're poor Asian, you're more likely to get shot than if you're middle class or rich Asian. Obviously, in fact, very few people who are middle class or rich end up getting shot. Um, it's you know, it, and and that has to do, and and there were probably a number of reasons for that. A number of reasons in terms of the attitudes of the police towards them, and and a number of uh, as to how they act towards the police in terms of you know we're those of us in the middle and upper classes are trained to be pleasant. We, you know, we, we are socially trained for that. It's um, in, in a different way and that's less threatening. And, and what we have to really acknowledge is, you know, the, um, is that we have, just like we talk about how our gun deaths are higher than everybody else, way out of proportion, you know, to any other country that's not in a civil war, um, our police deaths are, I mean, Iceland they had the first um, incident of a suspect being killed by police officers a couple of years ago, and it was the first time in about a hundred years. And they treated it as a national tragedy. Doesn't even make news here, right? You know, and it's just um, so. Is the problem police culture? Is the problem the violent culture overall? Is the problem a lot of other things that Iceland doesn't have? Um, it's it's not that Iceland doesn't have a diverse population. It's not all white, you know, but it also doesn't have the same level. Uh, that that we have, but none of the European countries—they all have multiple um, communities, and still they don't manage to to kill their their suspects. Well, this is what upsets me about the conversation around race, especially, mm-hmm. is it's so disingenuous. You have people out here that genuinely believe that if I am a part of X minority group, I cannot be racist, regardless of what I say. Yeah, to who well, that has that has to do with an, feel that. that that has to do with an academic perspective. Yeah, of the power dynamic that comes uh, uh, and also of that that somebody somewhere decided that racism is backed what is backed by the institutions and the culture, whereas mere bigotry is what you feel individually. So they would say a black person can be bigoted towards a white person, but can't be racist towards a white person. I'm like, I, okay, I, it, it's fine. I don't care. But I, it's factually not true. If we look at the definition of racism. that Well, they've redefined racism is what they've did. They said well, yeah, it's if we systemic. move the goalposts to fit whatever right. we want it to fit, now, what are I, we talking I'm, about? I'm fine because, you know, we've got two words. We've got racism and bigotry, right? So, so I'm fine if one of them gets dedicated to a particular concept. But you got to have con- you got to have consensus on it. And but how do like, we have that consensus? Oh, yeah, who decided? Start, yeah, who if we is, start is there a committee out there? Definitions. Well, definitions change all the time anyway. I mean, yeah, they, but not, something tells me that's not a unanimous decision. To it's change not that. a unanimous decision, and it's not something that's caught on much outside of academic left. Um, it's that you know they, people are like saying, well, oh yeah, okay, that's what. But and, and the problem is, is when you're saying that, it's being interpreted as saying, well, you know, people that that a, a black person doesn't hate a white person as much as a white person hates a black person. And that's not what they're saying, but that's how it comes across. It's another bad term, like defund the police. You know, if you're, if you're going to say defund the police and you don't really mean defund the police and that right out the gate, you've got to explain that, you know, defund doesn't really mean defund. It's then you you abandon the slogan. Cause that's part of the problem is some people say defund the police and actually mean 
abolish the police just yeah, like but some very people few, say you can't be racist very few. white people. The, the people that came was it was basically what they should have said was reallocate resources towards other types of services that might help deal with these situations. And we got to, uh, you know, situations locally, for instance, where, you know, police are arriving everywhere, actually, on, on a, a situation where they really need somebody trained in mental health awareness, right? But they're not. They're not trained in it. All, you know, when, they, when your only tool is a hammer, you see every problem is a nail. And, um, and sometimes they can be making a situation worse. And if, if their goal is to, isn't to deescalate, if that's not the number one, that should be the number one priority of any officer coming into a situation, deescalate, don't be part of the escalation. Um, you know, don't be, and, uh, and so we don't, so, you know, so if you say, well, you know, we need to reallocate some of these funds to, uh, situations so that people can be called in who are mental health experts who might be able to de-escalate it if the police lack the tools to do that. Great. So don't say fucking defund. Say reallocate or, you know, or 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 pay more money towards these other aspects uh, that are necessary for law enforcement. I mean, and so going back to that, going back to the question of racism, I mean, yeah, some academics somewhere decided that racism is different from bigotry. That it's that that it's something that that um, it can't be systemic, but you got to have consensus on it, and not and and if you're not taking a critical race theory class at 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 a university, you're probably not you didn't even get the memo. So, well, I just feel like all of that furthers the divide that we are experiencing in our country because do anything because because to call somebody a racist is um has a negative impact. Whereas, yeah, but now that word almost has lost so much of its weight because. Everybody's racist nowadays. You just you're you're racist. Well, and the theory is is that <laughs> the theory is is that we all are inherently to some degree. It's just varying degrees on on a spectrum that we can't avoid it. The way we're raised, maybe even some. But you could argue some of that is just tribal genetics left over from when we were warring tribes. It could be, and it could be also the way that um, you know we've been told to, to think about people, or 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 we have one experience that that shapes everything you know you, you you have five good experiences then you have one bad experience and the trauma of that experience makes you do it so see my my bias and this is probably you know maybe why i'm a left winger is i was raised in a mostly white community so all the bullies i had to deal with were white so you know so if anything and and actually i had to second guess myself on it because for a long time you know i was kind of a rural community in the bay area rural on the coast side there um a lot of the bullies I faced were into country music. I had a negative association with country music for the longest time. I, as an adult, had to study it and learn what it was about, learn that it's a, a variety of blues with a slightly different type of stuff, and I could come to an appreciation of it and and, and the rest. But when I was in in um, high school, I didn't want any part of it. I, I, I saw it as, as endemic to the culture of bullying that I was dealing with for most of my childhood. So... I pro if I if there was a different uh, social reality and white people were considered a marginalized class, I would probably be considered a self-hating, racist, anti-white person in in that context. Because, and there's a ring of truth to it because I was dismissing a whole genre of music based upon personal experiences with people who like that music. So it so you know we, we do have to watch and that and I bring that up as an example because. You know, there, there isn't I, I, my um, 
bias against these people isn't backed by institutions, or maybe it actually is, because as Martin Luther King pointed out, Appalachian whites faced a lot of the same prejudices. Um, you had a Southern accent, you were looked down upon because of associations, and maybe there is, to a certain degree, a systemic um I don't know. I don't you know racism or bias or class bias. Well, poverty is the great equalizer, and that yeah. seems to be what we've all forgotten: is that if you're poor, it doesn't matter what skin color you are, you're poor. Right. Yeah. And and and, and it's it's going to be different. I I think Chris Rock made a joke, um, saying um, saying that um, that you know, well, you know, here's an indication of racism. I'm I'm a multimillionaire and people and 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 uh, no white person would want to be in my shoes and I'm like I don't know I might take that money and take the take a deal with a bias I'll move to Europe if I have to right or somewhere else you know but um it's um it, you know they um they it, and it, and I even you know I got into a lot of trouble in college um for joking about white privilege because um, and I was very skeptical of the concept, and I still am actually in some ways. Although I do think there is white privilege, but I think of it a lot differently than a lot of my fellow leftists do. But I I remember um, saying uh, to a, a professor uh, who was really patient with me, African American woman, um, Carolyn Clark, great person, um, who I I said. Um, I, I kind of joked and said, um, well, can, can, does anybody know where I can like trade my privilege in for a bike? I'll take a bicycle and the rest like that. And, uh, and she was very patient and said, you would have uh seller's remorse and within a week and, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe true, um, you know, but that was, uh, that was, that was the thing. I was sort of like, well, okay, I'll, I, if I can give it to you. I'd, I'd give it to you. Right. But maybe, you know, there are aspects that, you know, if I actually experienced them, would say, "Holy shit, what have I got myself into?" Right? If I but that's such a nuanced argument, and everyone likes yeah. to point to white privilege, but there are a ton of privileges out there. Having a family that is a that is strong and united and is there, isn't yeah. abusive and that cares right. about you and is supportive—that's probably the greatest privilege there is. It does, and and it does have an impact on your success on all aspects of life. Definitely, that's a privilege. Um, what makes me uncomfortable about the race argument or especially uncomfortable is people's willingness to dismiss certain cases because they don't want to diminish whatever narrative they're trying to push. I heard that a lot when I believe there were those two cases where Chinese people shot, they committed mass shootings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I heard was, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about that. We shouldn't promote that because it's right. going to take away from the racism that Chinese people are experiencing. And that's not good. So let's just sweep that under the rug yeah. because it doesn't matter. We have to embrace complexity. You know, there there are, are but that means complexity across all the board. across the board. We have to embrace that it's it, you know that that there aren't simple solutions and there aren't simple ways of uh, of looking at the problem. Um, there is um, there there probably is you know a, a implicit biases that we encounter because of our experiences and because the way we're raised and because of things that are reinforced. And and discouraged in 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 the way we're brought up, um, and um, I definitely think I've got a bias against redneck white people. I work to deal with it. I I actually have to second guess myself every time. You know, when I when a guy uh, when I was doing um, um, the um, tabling for Measure K, um, the sanctuary ordinance a few years ago, 
I had this guy walking up that just looked to me like he would be a typical MAGA person, right? He was walking up and he was kind of grimacing and had this real strange look on it. And uh, but he, but he, and what I wasn't paying attention to is he was kind of limping, um, and and it, it, and and he uh, came and he was. And I thought I was going to get yelled at because I'd had some experiences yelling at. And it turned out this guy was completely supportive, um, and the the looks on his face came from pain because he was in had a medical condition that was you know working. but here i made this complete judgment about it um the, the same day a guy walked up in dreads with uh, bob marley not bob marley um uh, God, um the um uh, what's his name um toots and the maytels um guy uh but he had a t-shirt uh, of that and um and I thought he was going to support me. First thing he said was, my parents came here the right way. They immigrated the right way. Um, you're supporting people who are coming here the wrong way. I'm like, really? You know, I'm just, you know, so it was just, you know, so you, you, we, I made assumptions uh, but both at, ways. But see, I think it gets dangerous confusing that with bigotry or racism because that is just inherent in everybody. You're, you're going to see somebody, especially if you don't know them for the first mm -hmm. time, and your brain is going to make a rapid judgment yeah. you could argue it's for safety part of the fight or flight response it's all of these nuanced conversations right. but you're gonna do that it doesn't mean you're racist or you're a piece of shit or if i, I see somebody coming up regardless of how they look skin color wise and they're frowning or look like they're angry i'm probably going to be a little more aware of okay where is this going to yeah, go as opposed right. to if they walk up with a smile yeah um, does that mean i'm would, racist would against... i have would i have had the same reaction to a latino guy walking up to me i don't know i can't say that I could say he looked to me conservative. He looked like you know somebody who would who would be conservative, uh, you know. And I I don't even remember the details, but that was my impression when he was coming. I'd already faced him, even though I was outside the co-op. There, there are a lot of conservative people who shop at the co-op, and I just completely misinterpreted. He was like you know a complete supporter. Um, and, um, but that's part of the beauty is sometimes people yeah, will surprise you. I, exactly. Exactly. But the point is, is I had that bias and I, and I wonder if I had a different, uh, background being raised dealing with people like who I've, I've labeled rednecks, if I wouldn't have had that same reaction. I don't know. Um, I, I just, you know, what I'm saying is I, I think I've got an implicit bias against white rednecks, um, uh, because of my experiences. Um, I, I was rarely bullied by anybody who wasn't white. I think I can think of one incident when I was in the first grade in the city. Other than that, never. So, we, you know, we are the product to some degree of our But again, is that an implicit bias or was that a trained response? I don't know. Right? I mean, I if everybody, know, I if don't know. I see somebody that has a purple hat on mm -hmm. and every time I see that, I get slapped. Right. I'm not going to go out looking for purple hats. I'm going to yeah. steer clear. I mean, but where it was does the training reinforced come in? by my parents, my dad uh, saying, you know, we got to get these kids out of this place. We got to move them back closer to the city, you know? So it, I had reinforcement of it, um, uh, of that. I didn't tell them about as much of the bullying because you can't get grownups involved. I had to deal with it myself. But um, so I, I don't know how much of it was reinforced. My parents were left-wing political people living in a kind of a conservative working class, mostly white area. I don't know to what degree that reinforced the conclusions I drew from the experiences. Like I said, I don't know. I'm just saying that that is, you know, one, one, one um, potential for bias that I was conditioned for.
and I'm aware of it and I'm trying to deal with it, but it's not one that really gets acknowledged by the left, you know, who might, people who might've had similar experiences as I did being one of the few hippie kids in a redneck community. Right. You know, it's just, um, I wasn't even hippie. I didn't look like a hippie, but I acted like one. I talked like one, you know, so it was just, um, it, um, I, 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 the answer is I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I, you know, throwing out there is I, I can go by my personal experiences and think, you know, had I been raised in the city, like uh, Metzger, um, who is the son of uh, Tom Metzger, who started the white Aryan resistance and the rest, he claims he was raised in the city in um, Los Angeles in public schools. And that's what made him the way he was. I don't know. You know, it just, um, it's, uh, you know, would it have been different if I'd experienced those? Would I have more in, in, implicit fear of it? I just didn't have that kind of experience. The the people of color I met that were living on the coast side were tend to be middle class, even richer than most of the white people there. Um, so I didn't have that negative experience with them. I wasn't, you know. Um, My biggest fear is that we're just making race harder today. That the path that we are walking is just reinforcing divides that we sought out to get rid of. Yeah, I, and, and that's what, my biggest fear. Right, I I don't know um, uh, the answer to that either. You know, every to every year uh, we have this holiday, Martin Luther King holiday, um, and there's rituals. Everybody has their rituals. You see, I have a dream being played all over the air airwaves. Maybe some portions of the I've been to the mountaintop speech because he was killed the next day. So that was kind of iconic. And you always have the left wing stations coming out about the the buried or the covered up um, or whitewashed uh, Martin Luther King, that he was a radical. He had, um, you know, he, he when he was killed, he was working on labor union issues. He took stand against the Vietnam War. He took stands against capitalism, basically. Maybe he was borderline socialist. He had a lot of friends who were. They talk about covering that up and whitewashing that, but one of the things they don't like to deal with is the fact that Martin Luther King was a radical. He was left-wing radical in these ways, but he also was advocated policies of colorblindness. Now, would he have 10 years later, 20 years later, I don't know, after you know a lot of the racial theories had advanced and stuff, but I do know that Malcolm X... And other people and other black activist radicals of the time saw him as a sellout, saw him as um, as uh, you know, house N-word is what Malcolm X referred to him at one point um, and, and the rest. And so, yeah, he's being whitewashed, but let's embrace the full complexity of this. He um, he, he his view of race and racism was a bit different um, from the prevailing trends in anti-racist thinking today. But that sentiment right there is yeah. what's insanely crazy. Right. So is just, what, but just yeah. the idea of he's whitewashed because he's trying well, to unify across race. That, no, whitewashed being that they bury his actual political stance. Or not whitewashed, yeah. but a house. It, that's right. But that was Malcolm X, and Malcolm X did change his attitude about that. But people later. feel that way today if you yeah. date across race. Right. That no, you got to date within your own race, which would be crazy to say. I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of that. I've had people. Well, I've I've heard it from the black community, yeah. and I've had people on here say that that no, if you're black, you should date a black person. That I would look. I, I would have, think of, I have seen people say that because they so say crazy. genocide. Love who you play. love. What happened to that? But, it, but, it, but it's pretty rare on the dating apps. 
Um, I've heard it a lot. The, the, the dating apps, you, you do have people who will select preferences for races and some will select preferences for other races, but the vast majority of people in the dating apps, because are you spending a lot of there. time on the dating apps? No, it was, it was a study. I wish I was, but you know, <laughs> uh, the, uh, but, um, I'm a little, I, anyway, um, but the, um, no, it's, uh, no, in terms, there was a study where they, they took, cause you got hard data there. You've got people who say what they prefer and there might be people who would, would might fudge what they actually prefer and just look for particular things. But there were they talked about the 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 rates of interest between groups, but they cautioned and between you drew draw any conclusions for it. For instance, the lowest interest was black women to white men, and there's a lot of possible reasons for that. And the biggest interest was all of the groups preferred white women. A lot of stuff there, but the differences weren't that large. And and what the what the people of the study said first of all we really want to clarify something here because the vast majority of preferences stated was no preference so something like sixty seventy or eighty percent I don't remember what it was of people who are asked to cite a preference for their for harmony or whatever like that say no I don't care uh, you know do they mean it I don't know but they, but but that's what they state so when you're talking about the groups that prefer one race over another whether it's another race or your own race it's a small group. So it just um and then you know and then there are are people and and some of them would say you know I, it, sometimes it it's not just a question of you know who you're attracted to but you want somebody from your community that's got similar values and and similar experiences that doesn't necessarily mean you're not physically attracted to the person or otherwise attracted, you know, in, in different ways. There are people who, you know, say, you know, I, I, I just want to, um, I don't want to have to have struggles in my, my personal relationship. I've had them before and I don't want to go through that again. Um, you know, it's just, it's just too hard, uh, from one perspective or another. So maybe it's better if I get somebody who thinks a lot like me and has similar social backgrounds, similar socioeconomic class, similar education level, and and similar ethnic background, uh, you know. So so is it is it a bias or not? We don't know. Have any way of knowing? But the point is, is that even that group where you have to try to sort all that out is a minority. In in uh, now you know there's all kinds of things you have to look into because people who use dating apps probably are more educated than other people, right? You know, it's um and is uh, that the assumption? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just saying, you know, they've got computer access, and we know there's an internet access divide in this country, so we know there's a whole class of people who that's just not a viable option. So that excludes one class of people there, um, unless they go to the library and do it. I, you know, I don't know. Like I said, um, but but the point is, is that we've, um, you know, you, it, it's hard to say what the study means um, in, in terms of things, and and in terms of what why people are. Are, um, are 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 taking those positions, but the most important thing is that the majority of people didn't have don't a, feel that way don't don't have a, or at least they don't say they do. Um, I don't have a problem with people having preferences. I think that's yeah. just human nature. I think the right. blanket idea that you should not date X person because of their skin color, I think that's a problem. Well, there's there are people who are worried that um, they're going to be bred out of existence, but that's probably going to happen anyways. Yeah, it's probably it's probably going to be that there aren't going to be any very many very light or very dark people a couple hundred years from now if there are still people. 
Um, it's just, um, you know, it, 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 because, because people are traveling and, and, uh, and migrating and, and mixing. It's probably not going to, you know, be that way. So, but there might, but I think there are people who are saying, I got nothing against those people, but I want to maintain our, the integrity of our, you know. Yeah, but imagine a white person saying, I want to maintain the whiteness of my race I hear how you. problematic I hear that you. is that, uh, that, uh, exactly that would but be then problematic. If, if a black person or a latino says that i guess the argument would be that there's no danger of white people being in 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 you know extinct anytime soon but 13 percent of the population being black maybe there's yeah but globally aren't white people in the minority oh way 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 in the minority yeah it's uh um definitely the case but in within the context of the united states you know we've got see that's another part of the problem is people like to pick and choose the information that suits whatever narrative they're writing well and and there are people who have very specific identities they say i'm not just black i'm african-american that's a very specific context and um and it's got a, it. It comes with a very specific set of values and and, and ideas and and experiences. And you know, they, they, some people might think, you know, I, we're we're losing that. But you know, there's ways. There, there there's other plenty of other people who say, well, we don't have to lose it. It it changes. Everybody. I mean, you've got people, for instance, in the culinary area, saying we're losing with all this fusion. We're losing. The um, the true Cantonese Chinese uh, you know the true French the true Italian but then again those all of those are so diverse within themselves and constantly changing um, you know is the Italian the Italian food of today definitely isn't what it was 500 years ago they didn't have tomatoes right I mean it just um, the Italian food in America isn't what it is in it, Italy it is not what it is in it right but that and that's why Italians would say you need to stay pure but it's not like we're going to lose the recipes. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, and and so that's the same kind of a thing. You have these ideas, and they're going to change because every, even if you stay, try to stay pure, it's going to evolve. Any well, life going changes to exactly. The world so, is constantly moving. Right, it it is. Language changes, and that's why I wanted to get back to the point about definitions. Things get redefined all the time, um, not always with political agendas, but you know, that's that's the key. There is not with political agendas, and it feels like today that's the only reason we're changing definitions is to fit political agendas. Um, I don't know about that. The, the definitions change just in terms of, um, uh, you know, and, and, and our language changes. Well, yeah, but I mean, they but, changed you know, the definition of a recession because of our current climate. They changed the definition of recession racism. has never been that clearly defined. One group of uh, economists defined it as two consecutive quarters. Of of non growth, but that's always been a dispute. Different economists have uh, have have had that. So it's not that it's changed. It's just that we are learning more about the 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 differences of theories and in, 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 in economics. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's um, yeah, you definitely want to want to change things, and we definitely use language. I mean, in war, we use language to change things. We don't talk about oh, we killed our buddies. We talk about collateral damage. Right, we don't. Um, I mean, we. we yeah, we, that's a scary idea. Collateral damage. Collateral damage. How I many mean, civilians does that mean? Exactly. I mean, it's. Um, you know, we 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 have. Um, uh, you know, we we have uh, somebody who is well. We've got t- two opposite sides. We've got people who are pro-choice and and people who are pro-life. But who would say I'm anti-life and I'm anti-choice? Nobody says that, right? You know, there might be a few of them out there. 
Maybe, maybe a few of them, but not many. Um, and so, you know, it's because you frame it, you, you, both sides have framed it in a way that what they want people to think about the issue. Um, it, 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 and, and plenty of examples like that. That's not a changing definition, but I'm just talking about use of language and, and, and how um, things are. I mean, I'll tell you one political effort that has not caught on at all in, in the community is Latinx. That's because that's so stupid. Right. That is so, I mean, yeah. you want to talk about preserving your culture. This is Bringing literally X trying into to, a, to it, alter into it. The thing. Yeah. It's, um, there now culture is going to be altered. You want culture to be altered in a way. Yeah, but that this isn't even from the people in the culture. It did, I've only ever heard it from it, it, it white did, people. It actually saying, did originate from Latino, a trans Latino grouping in about 2007 or 2008. But the ones who embraced it later were more political people. Um, of different backgrounds um, and stuff, but it hasn't caught on. I think fewer than 7% of, of self-identified Latinos or Hispanics um, embrace that It term. is so dumb. It, and it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wrong use of the word X. You can argue it's colonial. Well, right? and uh, a complete abject failure of the understanding of the language. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, and then there's the political language specifically changes, and you've got to be very careful about it. For instance, um, we have this term now that is broader, that describes racist culture. Um, we call it, we say it's colonialist, right? Well, colonialism used to have a very specific meaning. It was a relationship between two countries, right? It was a, or, or a country and its territory. It was a, one country exerting political control over its territory. And then later on, we had a con the left uh, economists and sociologists came up with the term neocolonialism, which was one where a country like the United States or Soviet Union doesn't exert direct political control over the machinations of a government of another country, but they've got so much economic control that they determine what's going to happen there and um, and and with the threat of invasion, blah blah blah. They called that neocolonialism. So then fast forward. 30 years later, and I didn't even know that the term colonial had come to this broader modern term. Um, and the rest, I use the term neocolonialism and people are like saying, Oh, that's wimpy. Just say colonialism. I'm like, well, no, it's not. There's a, there's a difference between neocolonialism and colonialism. Colonialism is a very specific type of relationship. Neocolonialism is, is de facto colonialism or, or something like that. And they just absolutely flipped out because they said I was undermining the concept of using colonial, you know, to say you're 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 a colonist or a colonialist, not a colonist, colonialist, um, and the rest, and um, and, and that language, and 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 I, they didn't say it outright, but they're like saying, implying I want you to stop using the term neocolonialism. I'm like, I don't have another word for it. Right. You know, it's, I think it was actually one of the the more useful terms that the left has come up with, because it does describe a concept um, that 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 is, um, you know, that, that is very real, that when you have colonial relationships and then a country is given its independence, how independent it is, is it if it's economically dependent and possibly subject to invasion? Uh, you know, even maybe even I mean, there's definite ways there. So give me another term. And, you know, and they, they just say imperialism. No, that's not the same thing. That's different. 
Um, it, it, they're related, and besides which, imperialism is such a charged word in the 60s. They talked about, we got to talk about imperialism without saying the word imperialism, because if you say that, they're just going to think you're a Marxist and write you off, right? You know, so you, so I don't want to use that term because, it, first of all, it's vague. Um, and, um, you know, and, and imperialism itself it implies empire, and empire has its certain um, category. So this is an inter inter interesting debate, but I still see neocolonialism used, but only in, in describing very specific things. And, um, and so, but it's odd because here we have colonialism. They'll say, uh, oh, he's a colonialist, and so there must be colonialism. Then what's neocolonialism? It came before colonialism, apparently, the new use of the word colonialism. I mean, it's just, it, it's a it, it's a fascinating thing. But the language gets so emotional. Um, I, I actually got myself kicked off of a forum one time, a uh, Facebook forum, because we're talking about pronouns um, and the rest. Dangerous and, territory now. Very dangerous territory. I mean, you know, and there are a lot of stupid people out there that, on the right that don't understand that a pronoun actually is a is a term that they ought to learn about in the third grade because they're saying, I don't want any pronouns. There are no pronouns in the constitution. Right. And it's like, dude, the first word is a pronoun, but, but it's just, uh, the, but the, but the use of they and them. And I just happened to bring up in a forum one time, um, Marge Piercy in a novel called the woman on J edge of time envisioned a utopian future where people use the word per for person as a if you didn't want to be specific about the gender of of the person you you were talking about and i just said you know does that make a little more sense i made the mistake of saying make it makes more sense than referring to they which is plural as um you know um as a pronoun and i don't care i'll say they i don't mind i it, it, they're right we say it accidentally all the time anyway we say they you know when we mean somebody singular jane austen did it and the editor didn't catch it they use that as evidence to show that it was in in the language so some editors sloppy editor is now responsible for that but but all i said was well this is just a, a, a it makes a little bit more sense and they thought I was arguing that they shouldn't say they, that they should say per. And I'm just like, no, I, it was an intellectual con. And then, but I didn't apologize in the right way because I just don't have fucks to give about that anymore. I'm just like, you know what? Kick me out. And they did. So it just was, um, uh, and you know, and you had one person who claimed to be trans saying, you're making me feel unsafe. I'm like, I'm 3000 miles away from you. How am I, how are you unsafe? But it's, that is such a loaded phrase <laughs> that is just blanketly used to shut down conversation. It is. I feel unsafe. And that's, and, and that, and that, and that will have the effect because if you say that to me, okay, I don't want to make you feel unsafe. I'm going to shut up. Well, and that's you by your choice, but in most right. cases, well, what, it, what, you'll what have banned. they accomplished? They've shut down the discussion. Okay. But they haven't resolved the issue. But that's their goal. Their Whatever. goal isn't to resolve anything. It's to just shut down the conversation. Whatever. You know, it's it it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna. It's it's not like arguing that person is going to accomplish anything anyway. Um, and you know, most people don't say that. Most most trans people would say that's stupid. You're you're not being unsafe. You're you're being you're you're missing some of the points. Maybe they would say, and we'd have the argument then, right? But it's just um. But most people wouldn't say that. That is something that some people resort to. I think most people don't. Um, and it's, you know, but when we see it happen, it all of a sudden becomes elevated to something everybody knows. And then, and then, then the people who do say it get on the defensive and say, well, I said it because I really did feel unsafe because the guy was in my face. Right. It's like, oh, you know, and so it's like, so can I never say it? You know, so it's just, it's a real tough discussion and we just, you know, how we 
de-escalate the conversation to the point where we can have intelligent discussions. And we can. It's not like they can't happen and that they don't happen. We do Well, there's definitely, it almost feels like there's a two-pronged attack on speech. You have the one hand where we're trying to erode these understood definitions of what we're saying. And Mm -hmm. then you have censorship and this compelled speech. You know, you have to fit into that narrow box. Otherwise, I, you don't get to participate. Yeah, but I like I said, it is very rare that that's actually happened to me. It it happens, and I and I think part of the problem is you've got the internet where discussion just isn't really. It's really easy to offend and really hard to heal and a not discussion. encouraged. Right. Authentically, it's not encouraged. No, there is. Uh, in fact, there's an actual um, uh, Daily Show had a piece. Um, they, you know, they're going through using different hosts. Uh, Chelsea Handler was on there saying that um, that uh, th- there's actually articles about how uh, social media are making money off of your anger by making you angry. Oh, um, I don't doubt that. Yeah, it's uh, and how they promote it, actually, to a certain degree, because it leads to more hits and leads to more stuff like that. And so part of it is that it's disembodied. I have a feeling that if I was sitting there having a conversation with the person in the coffee house or something, that they wouldn't say I was unsafe. But you know, it's something that you say um, that that uh, gets you to to win the argument. And has anybody ever really feel like they've accomplished something after arguing on the internet? I mean, it's very rare. I ha- I have actually had it where we actually reached an understanding uh, understandings after having some heated discussions, but it's rare. I don't engage in the arguments in yeah, the comment yeah. section. Sometimes I'll dive in just to see what's going on. I'll throw out a couple of comments, but I, I try not to. I have to admit, I get, uh, I'm get i guilty, and I've even baited sometime, and it's so easy, and I, I need to not do that. I've been trying to say, no, don't do it bad, Eric. Um, so don't, don't bait because you're not accomplishing anything. And so it's like, but sometimes it's so tempting. There's a thrill to it. Well, I mean, so even it, just reading some I, of the back and forth. And not only that, when somebody's being what you view as really stupid and deliberately stupid. Like you don't think they're actually that stupid, but they're acting stupid because they're rewarded by being stupid. It's really hard to not do it, but I've been, I've been trying to do it and say, you know what? I'm I'm not going to do that anymore. And it's, um, and so, no, I don't. Um, it's, um, I, I almost had it as a badge of honor that I was getting kicked out of right and left wing forums. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing? That's my problem. I get banned on TikTok for being too far right. And then mm-hmm. I get banned everywhere else for being too far left. It is a weird juxtaposition yeah. there. I, yeah. It, no, it, it is strange. I, um, you know, and and it's easy to offend, and it's and and it's sort of like, and you say, so what? Okay, I got kicked out of a forum. That's not a big deal. It's different from being kicked off of a whole medium, or different from you know having obviously from having people show up at my house and arrest me because I said something wrong. Which you know we're not there yet, but you know it's just. But we're definitely taking steps to get there. Maybe, but you know, I've been hearing this for you know fifty years of my life. I don't think we're really. I don't. I don't know that it's it's going to happen. I think people put up arguments and stuff like that. We we have our social sanction way of censoring, and as opposed to, um, as opposed to using you know the state to actually go and arrest social sanction. Oh, okay. As yeah, your to social arrested. sanctions in that. Well, you're not going to get to be part of our group anymore if you do this. You're going to be shunned. You're going to be shamed, and all of that. And 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 part of 
one of the advantages of being, you know, a kid that was bullied by the whole class because I was one of the smaller kids is I really don't give a fuck. You can sh- try to shame me all you want. I don't care. If you want a reason, I, that's fine. But if you want to do, um, you know, uh, uh, a gang up where you've got one person after another, you know, calling me an asshole one one form or another, I don't care. I, People I, don't have that thick skin today. That is like a lost protection in society uh, it just you know uh it, it um yeah and and because words are violence and it's like no words aren't violence violence is violence words are not violence words could lead to violence i mean we do have um you know some there is in um in some states a fighting words a defense to to you know that if you said the wrong kind of a thing and and you end up punching somebody you could actually be acquitted of a crime because they said fighting words we don't have that in california um you know most most states do not have that um and, and the rest but it's um okay so that just means that the biggest guy gets to be the most insulting right you know i mean it's just um it it, it is a um it is but i i really do think take and, and of course i'm not somebody who you know has a is in a different group of people who maybe have experienced things all the, all the time, but I do take a sticks and stones approach personally. I don't really, if you're somebody who's going to write me off, I don't care. You know, if you're somebody who is like, well, Eric, I really, I, I, I really care for you and I'm concerned that you think this way, um, you know, and I want to talk about it. Great. I'll talk to you about it, you know, and, and you might even change my mind. I mean, you know, I just, um, there are things, and, and people say, well, you know, wh- what about the people who truly believe that they is inappropriate, that there should only be he and she, and you're forcing them to go against their belief system um, to, to do this? Well, you know, I personally believe in my political beliefs that that women who choose to be called Miss or Mrs. are caving in to a patriarchal pressure to that they are... Um, that you know, because that they are defining themselves by their marriage to women. Men don't have to change their name. Women, women, women do. And by embracing that, you're kind of undermining that kind of a thing. But if you want to be called Mrs. or Miss, I will do it anyway, despite my beliefs about it, because I respect your autonomy to be called who you want. And so I wish that more people who are arguing against the trans thing would simply do that. Say, you know what? I don't think that the it's appropriate that we are using they or whatever, but I will respect you and refer to you the way you want to be referred. I don't, you know, I don't. I, People are so soft today. That's that's the problem is that yeah. these w- words are literally as detrimental to their health as being punched in the face. In their view, in their view, until, it doesn't make a difference until they get punched in the face. As somebody who's experienced and then they, both, then right. it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I had psychological bullying too when I was a kid. I faced a lot of bullying as a kid, and um, and, and the rest. And when I got a little, when I started to grow out a little bit, even though I was still short, I got pretty strong. I fa- faced less physical bullying, but you know, I still wasn't part of the in crowd, and I got a lot of it. But and I, I think I just was inoculated to it i did you hear that story about that girl i think she was 11 and she was bullied and they peed the shit out of her in school and filmed it and then posted it online she killed herself no no, but i believe it happens and i'm and and i don't want to underscore the effect of of bullying it was horrible i I, as a kid i really wished it didn't wasn't happening when it was happening um I, you know, but 
And it's a nuanced conversation though, because you yeah. have your thick skin because of it. And most people right. that have thick skin, unfortunately, it's because they went through some hardship as a child. Right. And the kids or the young adults today that are soft, it's because they've managed to just skirt through up to this point by just shutting down anything that offends them. Uh, unless they also have post-traumatic stress or something like that. You know, you can, it, it, things, I don't want to sell that short. Um, you know, it just, um, it, it, there were, but it, but I, I had in order to just emotionally survive, I had to develop a thick skin. That's true. I mean, it was just that way. And it was every fucking day at one point, um, you know, where I was like just getting off the school bus and getting home without getting into a fight was like a major ordeal. It was just, you know, and I, I lost most of the fights. I was small, uh, until, eighth grade and then all of a sudden i filled out and then they didn't is that when things started to change yeah yeah it was but you know but there are different kinds of bullying there's social bullying because i wasn't in part of a group and a lot of people who wanted to be more socially engaged um were i was a loner i didn't give a fuck right you know i I liked my solitude so it was just uh, i had a few friends that i knew who they that they were real friends and I hung out with them and I was happy with that. Right. You know, I didn't care what the rest of the class thought of me. Um, I did in fourth or fifth grade just because it was hard to, you know, get through the day without, you know, doing that. And I did try to fit in, but I couldn't fit in. I just was not culturally, um, could not culturally relate to the people and they couldn't relate to me. It just was that different. We were the same skin color, but we came from very different cultures, different upbringings that were happening right then and there. And, um, and, you know, so it just was, um, um, but yeah, but, and, and people would say, I've heard people get on TV and say, yeah, we should allow the bullying because it'll develop stronger stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, but the, you know, people can develop their thick skin and their, and their character from it. It's like, well, why aren't you worried about the bullying? Bully's character. They're well, not, that bullying also leads to people killing themselves. Well, it's not right. as cut and, yeah, cut and, and dry as you make no, it out I, alive. I, I agree. And and um and not only that, it's like, you know, I what my response if if I'd been you know, able to stick my head into the TV and talk to the people that were doing that was, you know what? Just keep your psycho kids away from mine. I'll worry about my kids' character. You don't have to worry about that, right? You know, it's just um it's um it it uh is um it's a challenge because everybody wants their kid to grow up to have thick skin and be able to be comfortable in who they are but nobody wants their kid to go through the challenges that normally lead to i would not want any kid to go through what i went through it was really hard um it was uh you know my parents eventually did move us out when they came into some money um it was um you know and and then all of a sudden i was in a rich kid school and i wasn't as rich and that was a little different <laughs> that was a different experience but um it was um um but they were everybody was nice and everything like that but i just knew and felt different right um you don't th- there doesn't have to be bullying for you to feel separated well how much of the bullying is just tried to shitty parents oh i absolutely Absolutely. I came to to feel about that. And, and this is actually kind of a funny anecdote um, because um, I actually, as a lawyer, had somebody walk into my office who bullied me um, when I was in the seventh grade, didn't remember that he did. Um, and, How the tables turn. Uh, well, it was, and, and I didn't bring it up. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm sitting there listening to their real estate problem and coming up with how I'm going to solve it. 
but part of me is going through the head. I could totally take this guy, right? You know, it was like, it was, and I'm like, come on, stop, you know, grow up. You're 50 years old, dude. Um, but it was, but it was hard for me to, to shake. And then at, at the end, I said, you know, we, we actually knew each other. And he had the saddest look on his face and said, oh, I hope I wasn't too much of an asshole. And I just, I said, oh, don't worry about it. We were kids. But again, that speaks to your character (laughs) and arguably because of the ordeal that you went through, because some people in that position would have dunked on him in that moment or kicked him out or said some shit. No, not not for a seventh grade incident, I would hope. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe people do hold the grudges. And I know that he actually had it rough. You know, he was he was dealing with stuff at home that I didn't have to even imagine dealing. Well, that's how it plays out most of the time. Yeah. It's shitty parenting or shitty home lives. And then they get to school and they just pick on whoever's below Whoever's them. there. And it just was, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, it was hard. You know, of course, you know, uh, the kid took a slingshot away from me, stole my slingshot. And so, of course, my bookkeeper was saying, well, why don't we put the slingshot on with interest coming from 1970? <laughs> like, you know, we'll leave that on. But it's just... Um, the uh the uh it, it was it was an interesting thing because yeah a lot of them did now there were people who didn't have it that rough at home and were just like being assholes because they could I you know I and I know them and I always wonder what they were like became like as adults I don't know um but there were definitely people who just had it really rough and probably looked at me and saw that you know I had good clothes and you know and uh, and was was cared for and kind of resented it. And, um, yeah, it just, it's, it's so hard. It's really hard. And so I just, you know, I had a, uh, I've talked to other kids who were from the same era and, and saying, um, you know, we, we we can kind of forgive that. And they say, man, that's really hard. That's hard. I had a guy who was a dick to me in high school on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a oh, great wow. guy. Oh yeah, we had a great conversation. Yeah, I, I like him. He's an awesome yeah. guy. It was well, a fun I, podcast, and it's kind of funny how um, some of the friends you have in um, high school, but then you go to the reunions and you end up hooking up with somebody that you didn't even know that well, and uh, it's like, yeah, how did I not know all this about you? And it's just you know, it's kind people of, grow up, people yeah, change, they're nuanced. Yeah. But the bull, the idea that we should keep the bullying just yeah. because of the benefit that it leads down the road is just ridiculous. Right, that's. There's so many hoops you have to jump through to make it out of that okay. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, I had different experiences too. I had this kid in 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 high school who was just a reactionary, and I it was I mean you know, it was like I got into arguments with him, political arguments. I was politically active when I was 15, and um, you know, and so it, he would he objected to it. Ten year reunion, I'm like dreading. Oh God, here I'm going to have this conversation. He was to my left at that point. He'd gone to Brazil. So seen a whole bunch of stuff, started reading a bunch of stuff and completely changed his politics over 10 years. I'm like, really? He's like, you're, you're playing with me, aren't you, with what you're saying? And he's like critiquing me because I'm like being too liberal, quote unquote, and not radical. I'm like, okay, uh, this, <laughs> this doesn't compute. You know, it was just, it's, it's really interesting, the journeys that, um, that we go through and, um, and the rest. But, you know, it's just, um, they, they, but, you know, good for anybody for changing their mind about stuff you know even if it's if, if it's in the if it's in a different direction and to me it's like as long as you've got if you're honestly trying to seek the truth if you come up with different conclusions than i do then great maybe i maybe i can learn from them you know maybe not maybe you're missing something um you know or something you're not considering or or you know and and but the problem is a lot of our views 
our social life is wrapped in it. You know, we have we have our um, our individual cliques and, and and people that we hang out with, and and so can we change our mind? Um, you know, and still maintain those relationships. Well, my friends, they, they all know that. Hey, right, he can change his mind on a moment's notice. So I'm known as that, right? You know, so it's just, I mean, all things reconsidered. That's the theme of my show. Is uh, is you know, I, I like to find people who have what we consider to be contradictory positions. Um, environmentalists who support nuclear power, a lot of them, by the way. Um, you know, the younger generation, socialist who uh, who. Uh, was completely slammed the Castro, um, you know, Cuban administration Marxist, but, you know, said, but uh, that regime is completely, you know, um, different things that you don't expect um, that, to, to come from a particular person. That interests me more is when you don't fit into a box, I want to understand your, your, the framework of your thinking and your, and the, and the way you do it if you don't have a, a, a strict party line. I'm, I find that more interesting. Okay, but there's got to be some consistency, right? You know, there's there, there's some structure to what you're thinking as to why you're you're so different. Left wingers, a lot of left wingers are opposed to gun control. You don't want the government to be the only one that has guns. You know, that's um. They, 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 I learned that my very first show for all things reconsidered um, was. Um, was that most of the people living in the hills down there? They're all left-wing hippies, but guns—they have to have them out there you know, for a number of reasons. And um, and they also don't want the government telling them, you know, they can't inhabit. And they say, "I don't like the NRA. They're they're nuts." But um, but I but I do agree that uh, you know that the part of liberty is being allowed to own such a gun responsibly. You know, and, um, it was an interesting situation because it's much different from the left-wingers I knew in the city who were, you know, when I knew African-American activists saying, we're fucking flooded with guns in our community. We need to do something about it. The drugs came in in the early 70s, followed by a wave of guns. People before that fought gangs, wars with, with switchblades, and not as many people were killed. Now it's guns, and it's fucking crazy. It's like a river of them coming through here. So, you know, different perspectives of... Um, of you know gun control and I, it's actually one of the issues where you know I'm I've got some ambiguity on that. I, I was raised believing in very strict gun control. I would have banned handguns after John Lennon was killed, right? I, I don't. I'm not in that position anymore um, because you know I was exposed to people who thought differently and listened. But I still think that if um, if gun manufacturers and distributors are deliberately playing to a market where guns end up in the hands of um, of of people, in, you know, in the streets, and it's leading to a lot of deaths. And they're deliberately uh, exploiting that market, the black market. Um, and, and there's ways you can do it. I do think they should be held accountable. You know, if <laughs> there there maybe there should be uh, a way that you know, if a box of guns doesn't get sold the right way, and they're looking the other way and not making sure of it, that they could be sanctioned. So I'm not entirely. That puts me different with Bernie Sanders, however, who doesn't think that you should be able to sue gun manufacturers for the impacts of guns in, in there. But he comes from Vermont and is listening to a lot of people in a rural area, um, and that's why you know that's why Clinton tried to use his his um, ambiguity in the gun control. Uh, issue um, against him in the Democratic primary, even though it would have probably played to his benefit in the general. 
you know, and it's just, uh, it's, so it's, that's one issue, for instance, you know, where there's a, there's a lot of ambiguity. And then you talk about, well, we all want gun control. What, what form should it take? And what, what can we do about this? And, um, uh, it's, um, anyway, I mean, as you know, it, it um, was, uh, a, something when I was a, a kid, uh, in, in high school, I considered myself to be a Marxist, Marxist Leninist. I said, but I want to do it the right way and not the way the Soviet Union did. Right. I mean, a Trotskyist gets you out of that because no Trotsky, this government has ever been in power. That'd be a contradiction almost because Trotskyism believes that there needs to be permanent revolution that spreads worldwide before you can have any socialism, right? So that's an easy way to cop out. So you don't have to be responsible for, for the governments that are generated probably by the model of partly of, of um, centralized thinking. And, uh, you know, and it, 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 uh, or democratic centralism as it's called. It's, um, and, uh, and that was, I rejected it by the time I was like senior in high school, I was completely different, read a, a book um, by, gentleman by the name of Milo von Gilas, who wrote the last, the, the, um, the last class, which was about, and I've got that title wrong, but it was, it, 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 you know, and he was a socialist chronicling, um, all of the bad stuff that was happening in, in Yugoslavia at the time he was jailed, um, and the rest, even though he was a socialist. So I read that, decided I wasn't a Marxist Leninist anymore. And, um, you know, this, I mean, this is, uh, more interesting to people who have a background in having been in communist or socialist movements, but there was a split um, in the early 20th century between what became known as the Second and Third Internationals. Karl Kautsky headed up the Socialist International. Lenin ended up leaving it and starting what was called the Third International, and that became the communist movement, and the Second International became the socialist movement, or and now social democratic movement and the rest, and started establishing mixed economy models throughout Europe and now throughout the world. And, um, and, but it was kind of funny because there's always been this term, the dictatorship of the proletariat and, um, and right-wingers will say, yeah, that shows they want a dictatorship. Mark said it right then and there. More nuanced historians will say, well, the term dictatorship at the time Marx was writing it didn't really exist in the political sense of the 20th century. We didn't have dictatorships that operated in the way that we associate with the term. He was talking about dictatorship in terms of your, the, um, the working class will dictate the, the future, blah, 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 a more nuanced position. And so you've got right-wingers saying, and Kalkowski endorsed that position, that he wasn't talking about a literal dictatorship. So you got the right winger saying, "No, obviously it means a literal dictatorship." And then Lenin, in his essay, "The Renegade Kautsky," when he was writing why he thought that Kautsky was selling out socialism, says, "Of course it means a literal dictatorship." So you got Lenin in agreement with the conservatives, and the social democrats themselves say, "No, that's not what it means." And um, and, and and it was kind of funny because I, when I started to explore the conservative ideologies and in the, in the late 80s and started to read up on some of their stuff there are similarities that they have with the hardcore marxist leninist movement that they don't share with with the more liberal elements i mean you know kind of more black and white type of of, of certain types of thinking and 
they agree. Yeah, it's, it's got to be a dictatorship. Lenin thinks it's a good thing. They think it's a bad thing. But Kautsky says, we're not talking about a dictatorship. It's a, it's a phrase, a, a, an artful phrase about something like that. A bad choice of words, but Marx didn't know how the word dictatorship was going to come to be used. I mean, this is just, you know, I, I get fascinated with the, with these discussions and, um, and, and how everybody comes at it with their own framework. And you've got the, these fascinating points of view, but it's, uh, but there are ways that you can have people on this side have have more in common with this side and the people kind of in the middle saying it's more complicated than that or more nuanced than that or you know and it's it's just um anyway i don't know how i got off on that but it's just one of the 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 things i do i always recommend that um people read up on it read the renegade kautsky lennon was a good writer um you know of course you're reading it in translation but it's um it, it uh and kautsky had been kind of a radical they more along the lines of lennon but he saw things happening, World War One happening, and the rest, and came up with models that have endured. You know, the Marxist-Leninist model is mostly collapsed. It's in a few com- countries. I don't even know if you call Korea Marxist-Leninist. I think it's more feudal, but um, but um, but the centralized government. But what what did Kautsky and that whole movement come up with? It came up with um, mixed economies, um, uh, socialized medicine. Um, you know, different, different, uh, type, which Latin America goes to Europe for their medical, they didn't go to the Soviet Union. Nicaragua, when it had its revolution, went to Sweden, not Cuba or, or the Soviet Union for their medical model, right? You know, you've got, um, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of these things going on and they've endured. They've created the big, the, the highest standards of living the country, the world has ever seen. We even had some of it here through the New Deal. Um, and the rest, and the and and Latin America is now adopting it. For tigers of Asia, all have socialized medicine. We're the only country that doesn't have that, but we have other things that are embraced in it. And so it's sort of like you know, I don't want to say necessarily the middle is always right, you know, uh, on it. But it's but you know, I came to sort of conclude when people say, "Are you a socialist?" I always used to answer yes, and I still do answer yes. And I say, but it doesn't really mean very much because we're talking about something on a spectrum. A fire hydrant is socialism. A public library is socialism. The roads are socialism, even if you limit it. But this is, again, where conservatives and Marxist-Leninists agree. They say it's only socialism if it's if it's government control of the means of production. And it's like, well, who decided that? Well, Marx said that, right? You know, but it's... um. But is a road not a means of protection? Tell me how well how well the economy is going to run without them, right? Those are publicly owned, so you got the means of production um, there. In fact, almost everything is related to it. So I, you know, I say, yeah, I'm a socialist. The question is, to what degree? Uh, well, people want it to be black and white so yeah. they can put you into this box, right? And then you've got the label, and they don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. Well, it's just like you know what I say is you know if I'm discussing having the discussion with a conservative, I'll say, well, you will you will say I'm a socialist until I point out that Sweden is socialism, and you'll say no, that's uh, that's just uh, capitalism with a little bit of liberalism involved. And say, well, liberalism came from Keynesianism, which was mixed economy. But um, it's uh, you know the modern version of liberalism. Liberalism before that was capitalism, actually. But it's um, uh, the the but the um, but you know, I say it, it, you don't you think I'm a socialist. But if I talk to most people who embrace the term, they don't think I'm a socialist, right? You know, because you two agree on what socialism is to some degree. Um, I have a different concept of it, so sure I am. I'm a capitalist. When you get to the extreme fringe ends, and it gets a little more dicey, and 
people yeah. start trying to hardline what it means. And well, it does. And I, you know, I've, I've told people because socialism is considered utopian. It works great on paper, but it doesn't work great in the real world. Well, the same thing is true of the pure economy. There are people, Ayn Rand and you know the libertarians, who say if you just leave the economy alone, it'll work like a, um, a, a an organic or you know an organism um, that that just has to, has to flourish on its own, and the less the government messes with it, the better it'll work. It's like that's about as utopian as as the most utopian of socialist views. It it's great on paper, but anything involving human beings is messy. Um, you know, you, you've got pure competition and then one particular company starts to win and, and dominate the market and then it changes the rules of, of the market. And um, and so you you need some government intervention to and, and some supplement and, and, and something like medicine probably is best under socialism because the for profit uh, industry has got a problem. It's got to find a way to make a profit. If if the whole population was healthy, it wouldn't profit, right? How we don't have a model for that. So you know, so okay, socialism there, um, but I don't need socialism for to for all the plastic trinkets that they're selling. You know, I don't need it for that. Food questionable. Oil maybe it would be good if we nationalize oil, but I still you know, but we would still want to have the incentive uh, to be able to to extract it and you know whatever. I mean, it's it's just it, every situation is different. And so if you say I'm a socialist, I say yes. If you say if you ask me if I'm a capitalist, I say yes. Both. That's you know. I, I, but that's a nuanced position, and a lot right. of times when you delve into that socialist realm, people want to exclude. The deaths that are attributed to that they want to say that no we can implement this utopia it just hasn't been yeah. implemented correctly it hasn't been implemented and correctly. that's when they start yeah. going crazy like yeah. we could do it so much better it doesn't have to end this way we'll just change it but then they never say how they're yeah, going to change the it idea that you can ideas. plan plan an economy i mean you look at los angeles you know every day all of these goods pour in it come out and get sold and the rest and to try to plan all that happening, you got to rely on market forces. You can't over rely on them. You got to, you know, sometimes, sometimes government has to step in and, and, and recreate a balance. And in doing that, it, it might create an imbalance, but you're not going to have a perfect world. There's always going to be, you got to be careful and, and, uh, as to how you do it, but you can't not do it just because you've got an idea that you've got this perfect machine of supply and demand and the, the, the last curve is not going to solve all the problems. We're, we're human beings. We mess, we fuck things up all the time. And we got moral of the story. We fuck things up. <laughs> right. If there's the potential so, for it to happen. It's probably going to happen. But, but the balances that have, best balances that have been struck that have established the longest, uh, lifespans and the highest standards of living, you know, in terms of you know how how much vacation time you have and 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 individual wealth and the rest seems to be the European Western European social democratic model, which is being adopted everywhere. Even in the United States, we got a little bit of it. We didn't get as much of it as they did because we've got a different kind of culture, um, you know, that's making it more problematic to 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 do that. But we the New Deal was socialist. You can't you can't say it wasn't. Um, you know, it's it's definitely intervene when Reagan screamed that Medicare was socialism back in 1960. He was right. It's 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 socialism, uh, you know, and uh, and, and, you know, but sometimes it works. Uh, and and when it doesn't work, you got to be able to adapt and say, OK, that one didn't work, but this one worked. What, what can we learn from that? And we just 
but we but when everything is framed in political terms where you're either a socialist or a free market capitalist and you know that's um that's what you got then then you got a problem because every country's got its different needs and different ways of working things it probably probably the swedish model wouldn't work we're a much bigger country we've got a lot you know a much different thing but that doesn't mean we can't learn from it we can't implement certain things experiment and 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 try to come up with it we will eventually will have quote-unquote socialized medicine as terrifying as some people think that sounds because it's just you know one obama it's criticized from the left because um, because it was a framework that came out of the Heritage Foundation. Probably would have been supported if if Romney had done it as he did in Massachusetts, right? But it changed the nature of the industry. It is now sort of tied in to government equity and and regulation and even government involvement with these different uh, things. And it's only going to get more so that way. And the question is. Do we do it without it becoming bureaucratic and a mess and useless, or can we evolve it in a way where it's like, okay, that didn't work, but this would work, but we're not in, we can't, we can't do that because you get Republicans that pass 60 resolutions to overturn it. And then the minute they've got total power in 2016, none of those resolutions came forward again. They stopped because they knew it would be political suicide to kill it. It's there. So knowing it's there, and we have a discussion where you got different people coming in and saying, okay, rather, you know, rather than make everything single payer, everything socialized medicine, let's look at that. Let's look at this. Why can't we import Canadian um, uh, drugs to undersell the expense of drugs here? Do, do they, does, do the private companies really need that money to do experimenting, you know? On well, that's drugs? the crazy thing. You take something like <clears throat> insulin mm-hmm. and the, jacked up price that yeah. is in this country versus if you go to like australia it's right. a fraction of the cost and what the what the medicine companies will say is well we need that money to do research but other countries are doing research and we subsidize we some subsidize of that research it. with taxpayers right. so we're already paying for the research yeah. and then you're going to make us pay more for our medicine so we can pay extra right to pay for the research and there are people who have looked at it and say <clears throat> the majority of those high prices don't go to research it's Shocker. A, yeah. How, just, uh, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. It's just, you know, so stop it. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, and, and, but look who killed the bill that, that would have allowed us to have Canadian, uh, you know, drugs come in to drive the prices down. It wasn't just Republicans. Um, uh, Corey, what's his name? New Jersey, the African American guy. What's his? Oh, uh, Booker? Cory Booker. Booker, yeah. Bernie Sanders didn't talk to him for months after that. Well, Big Pharma has bought out both sides. <laughs> yeah, you can't just pin it on the Republicans. And no, you can't that's just pin right. It on the you Democrats. can't. You can't. It's um, they they've got that's a, the one bipartisan. It's one stand. of them. One, yeah. one of a few. Their but pharma's yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, also nobody's going to cut the military budget even if we don't need it. Nobody's going. You know, it's. Just... I wanted to ask, what is your stance on Ukraine? Because it feels like we are walking down this path. And I don't I'm, think people I'm understand uneasy. where it leads. I'm uneasy about it. I mean, uh, uneasy about it. I mean, Russia invaded, and we do have to provide some sort of assistance. I'm uneasy about the potential for escalation. Um, if Putin is as crazy as they say he is, that scares me even more. Um, but and I, and I would like to have an idea of what they have in mind as the end game. 
And if that's the thing. What, where are we going? Now they're talking about retaking Crimea. Well, Biden we was talking that? about that, but um, but Zelensky rejected it. Said we can't give up any of our land because they and they may have a point. They say we give up uh, Donbass and Crimea. They're going to want more later. You know. Well, did you hear that? <clears throat> there was this viral video of Zelensky saying that soon American children, American boys and girls, will be over there fighting and dying, just like. Ukrainian. I don't know what. Yeah, and I don't know what the context is, but I know that he um, he is out there selling. I mean, just yeah. going hard, asking yeah. for everything, wanting the world. Well, and that's that's the thing too is if we're going to do it, shouldn't we give them anything? I mean, are we are we going to be half-assed, or shouldn't we give them the weapons so that there's parity, technical technological parity between? Yeah, but doesn't the two? that just escalate? So I, I don't mean, know. I don't know what happens when they start crossing the Russian border and bombing well so they, and they've done it they've there done was an it. article out the other day yeah, that there was a drone it. strike or something across right. the border in russia saying no hey, they, they've been doing it they've been, they they even sent helicopters in to attack an oil tanker and they're saying we only attack military targets but that's how it starts um but no they, they're not even hiding the fact that they do that i don't think russia is going to can really complain too much but um you know because i'm not worried about russia's response i'm worried yeah. about us escalating to the point where we are now Sup- supposedly we've told them yeah well we are fully engaged in terms of giving them uh you know the assistance i mean it's like that we, we are the sole country funding this war um, no, Germany and, yeah, and, but and if, France. If you and take every other country's contribution, it is minuscule yeah. compared to ours. It, I mean, if we is. pull out tomorrow, Ukraine falls and the war is over. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, the um, although I don't know, everybody thought Ukraine was going to fall anyway, so I don't know. Maybe they. Yeah, would... but does that speak to Ukraine? Alone, or does that speak to the effectiveness of our targeting, our weapons, it, it, our it, artillery? It, it, it expe- it, it's a it's a testament to the degree to which corruption just completely depleted the Russian. That's military. another element on the Ukrainian side that nobody wants to acknowledge anymore is how corrupt Ukraine is. Well, they've got they've got their corruption issues, and war is going to bring that out. They're going to be war profiteers, but but, but they're but they're but it hasn't come to the fact where they're not effective in fighting. Yes, but there was there was an article, I think it was by CBS, maybe last year, and it was some absurd realization that only a fraction of the military aid that we were sending to Ukraine was making it to the front lines of the weapons. I want to say it was something crazy like 40% was actually going where yeah, it was supposed to go. I, I and don't know. Zelensky yeah. huffed and puffed, and I think, I want to say it was CBS, they pulled the article. Because there was so much backlash I mean, that, well, we'll just I mean, this. there was plenty of corruption within the Allies during World War II. Some companies even filed lawsuits about it One, So, you know, we've got, um, it's, um, I mean, war is the breakdown. Of but that. we're not keeping track of anything. We're just, and now we're going to funnel it through the World Bank and say, oh, you know, they're going to keep track of it. So, yeah, I think all they, all, I think what, what the military people are looking at is the results that they, they've managed to push Russia back. They lose some here, but they managed to hold them at bay and, and hold them back. And personally, I don't know why I, I mean, I don't, like I said, if they need the tanks, they should just give it to them. They shouldn't hold back. Oh God. Well, that way the Russia will think that that's more, but then why hold back the F-16s? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that simple. You got to train the pilots and everybody, but yeah, right. If you're going to do it, do it. But right. that's, isn't that yeah. so crazy? Aren't we just asking for escalation? I mean, I, I would argue we're already at the point where yeah. well, that's I, I mean, inevitable. One, one of the big 
reasons that Ukraine was able to hold this, the uh, Russians off is not the tanks. I actually think that this war is probably going to show that tanks are kind of obsolete. I mean, and people have been talking about well, that. Well, it's for shown a long that time. on the Russian side when they were getting stuck in the yeah, mud. Yeah, yeah, but even Ukrainians apart. have lost a lot of a, a, a lot of tanks, even to that. Now, the Western shoulder-held missiles—that's the big difference. Those are the ones. That, I mean, you have one of those, and that's more effective than a tank in fighting fighting the military. That's what held them back. That's what took them apart. I, you know, and according to the experts, that's more important than the tanks. So why is he pushing for the tanks? Is it symbolic? I don't know. Apparently, these leopard tanks will actually make it easier for them to fight and certain things like that. But you know, I don't. I don't. I'm not a war expert. I'm really not at it. But I always understood that tanks had to have an entourage of infantry to support it, right? To to take out people with with anti tank weapons and all that. And you never see either side with them. They're both tanks are just kind of going. Alone, is this a bad strategy, or is there something, or is there some strategic reason for it that you know the trade-offs are, are that way? I think that you don't want to be in a tank. Period. I mean, the drones. Are I wouldn't want to be out there on the front line. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be on it, but I especially wouldn't want to be in a rolling coffin. I mean, it just seems like that. E- You're just asking for it. I, th- I right, and they're terrified, and they probably just have already written off that they're probably not going to survive the war if you're. If you're on tank detail. I just don't understand why there is such a push in the opposite direction of peace. Um, well, I think part of the problem is, is that what, what can, what can Zelensky, what can the Ukrainians offer? You know, if it, I, I do think that Russia had an argument for historical right to Crimea, but now that they've made it as a, you know, uh, as a, a condition of war. They invaded and took it by force and no guarantee that they're not going to keep moving on it. Zelensky has to be thinking, okay, if I give that up, then in five years, I'm expected to give this up and then that up and that up. I mean, that, that we, we have, we, I think what it is, is we've learned kind of an extreme lesson from world war two. You, you let them have Austria through the Anschluss, then Czechoslovakia. It didn't appease anybody, right? Yeah, but there's a we have to take into account, which most people don't like <laughs> it when you bring it up, the fact and role that NATO played in this. It certainly wasn't helpful in in doing that. They probably should have made it clear that Ukraine <clears throat> wasn't was going to be able to join. Yeah, wasn't going to be able to join NATO uh, to do that. Well, in the coup in 2014 under Obama, like there are these elements, yes. Russia, at the end of the day, invaded Ukraine. Right. And it was wrong. But the shit that we kept pulling, like when, yeah, when but, missiles but were going that, to Cuba. That regime also had Cossacks coming out and whipping protesters. So would it, if, uh, if the West hadn't been involved, would it not have happened? I don't know. Yeah, but what about, okay, then North Korea? Why aren't we involved in North Korea? Why aren't we involved in the Uyghur movement in China? They're... There are these other instances that we just turn a blind eye to oh, and then I, we justify, oh, well, we should intervene we, we, in We've this done one. all kinds of stuff to undermine both of them in the past. I think we don't do it in China because China, I, I don't think China's ever going to go to war with us. They don't have to. They own us, right? But I what mean, about Taiwan? Um, I don't think they're going to do that either. I don't think they need to. I think they have to bluster uh, to show that they're tough, but I don't think they really want Taiwan. Taiwan is selling them you know, the technology they're selling us, kind of like Switzerland and, and Sweden. Nobody invaded Sweden during World War II because everybody bought their steel, right? But what about the the cozying up that's happening now where China might be supplying arms to Russia? You know, 
I, I would have been surprised if they hadn't been. I thought it would have been reported last year that they were doing it. Um, it's, you know, it's, and it's a, a national, it's sort of a chess game. I think that China probably has an interest in keeping that war going. Um, uh, you know, it keeps it, just like we do, just like we do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, it's, um, you know, it takes pressure off of them and, and the rest. North Korea is a different situation. Um, it's pretty hard to get any, there's no room for a movement in there right now. That's not happening. Well, but, they have nukes, which right. is the fear with Iran right now is, but not, an article, only, but not only that, away. they've got total social control of the, the of, of, of the public, of the public. I mean, it's just, um, it's Orwellian in, in, in the classic sense. It's, you know, the, of 1984, it's almost literally. I'm just terrified that this continually escalates because our leadership is poor. The leadership everywhere is poor. It's, We're just going to hit this peak where I, now it's World War III. I don't think so. I think what's going to happen eventually is that there's going to be some type of negotiated settlement where both sides can claim victory. Um, but is there any situation where Putin can do that and come out unscathed? I, I think he screwed himself. I think he's so if, no if you back a tiger into a corner, yeah, the option is to kill it or get bit. Um, it, it, unless he can find some other way to claim victory. Um, I imagine you know what can he do that doesn't involve actual giving of uh, what can he accept that doesn't involve Ukraine actually giving up territory, maybe access to the port Black Sea ports. I think they had it, but they can just say that they have it. You know, you can proclaim anything. Um, in there and, and, and do that. I think the war will come to an end. We've seen this before in Afghanistan, Vietnam. Um, we've, we've seen this before. It comes to an end, then something else starts. This is just a, a uh, uh, and people are going to die and the economy will, will suffer um, for, for quite a while. I mean, what they've created in the Ukraine is, in Ukraine is um, these are probably going to be the best pilots um, in the world at this point, the most experienced, the ones that are surviving. I mean, they're surviving with um, with less advanced planes, and they're still, you know, and they're still taking down um, or, or doing whatever it is they need to do against Russia. But again, so, I believe we're the ones supplying most of the targeting data, so like we are but, so engaged in this war. Probably, just like you know, just like we always give intelligence to the people that we want to. We want, yeah. It's just that that's the way it is, and I think Russia can complain about it because they do the same. Uh, it was certainly the Soviet Union did. But at what I mean, point, the Soviet Union, they didn't send their troops in to fight us in Vietnam, but they definitely made it difficult on us. Yeah, but there, <clears throat> this is right up against Russia's border. There's a big difference between going to Vietnam or going to yeah, Afghanistan. It's, it's, and it's probably more war. comparable to Cuba, but that was back when it mattered how close missiles were. I mean, you know. Well, yeah, now hypersonic attack. Right. But they still, they have been adamant that Ukraine is a hard stop, and NATO has continually pushed that. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I know that uh, Biden was trying to push in December so, uh, a framework that involved giving up territory, but Zelensky says, we, no way we are ever going to do that. Well, did you read Seymour Hersh's article? No, I did About the Nord Stream pipeline? Uh, Seymour Hersh, Hersh uh, oh, Price. about whether Norway was involved. No, in that we blew it up. That it was us. Well, through through somebody in Norway. Yeah, I I heard that. I haven't uh, I haven't read it. Everybody sends me the link. I haven't read it. I I look at who has to benefit. I know that Russia benefited in the sense that they wanted to cut off uh, natural gas to the to the west, but they didn't want to get their subsidiary country 
uh, companies in the West to be sued for breach of contracts so something like that happens. I yeah, but that was their one – that was their point of leverage over the West, over Germany. I think they just didn't want to um, be supplying them at that yeah, point. Yeah, but we – I mean we had the most to gain from that. You had Biden in – the coming months say not, the not, Nord Stream pipeline will end if no, Russia invades. There's two. There was two pipelines that they were talking about. There was the pipeline that um, that that it was the oil pipeline. I think you're talking about that did did get shut down. That that the Biden and and every and the United States have been trying to shut down for years. And our oil companies, by the way, didn't didn't want it. And um and that that's different. This was the natural gas line. No, I believe he was. Yeah, he was talking about the Nord Stream pipeline. That if Russia so. invaded, it was it was over. That they were going uh, to. All right, I know down. he said that about the uh, about the other pipeline that they were in the position of finishing. That was a different situation than this one. I think Biden wanted natural gas to get in so that it wouldn't put pressure on the coalition. No, but he wanted. I would argue he wanted them off of Russian dependence. And it, wanted to be dependent on us. Let's engage that, in this but war. Not, but not that quickly. I mean, we're kind of lucky that the winter in, in in Europe is a lot warmer than it was going to be because because they were worried about the coalition being frayed because of, 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 of the pressure of that. I don't think they wanted it to happen when it did. I think eventually they want Russia to not be, uh, you know, giving them so much dependence. But I don't think they benefited and, and and that's not to say they didn't do it. I mean, you could miscalculate, but I don't think they ben- would benefited from that because if natural gas was going in the whole time and Russia was making money off of it, um, then then the there wouldn't have been uh, the the pressure uh, on in some countries to pull out of the coalition, and there is that kind of pressure. So you know, it's just um, I they it, I think that Russia had more to gain from it. That's not to say that it wasn't a miscalculation, just because. You've got intelligence, you know, doing things doesn't. Mean I think we did it. it right. I think we did it. You did. I, I think there's a reason they're withholding the report, and Russia's the one that's calling for it to be outed. I think we had the most to gain by separating Russia from the West and eliminating that dependence on natural gas. It's it's a theory. I don't know. But I, is that if say they uh, did say we did do it? Is that, that an act of war? Oh, Does that I, now I, turn I, us into? I, I would. I, I mean. Is that an act of war? I don't know, but it's certainly something that should piss all Europeans off. I mean, you know, they should uh, not want to have anything to do with the United States after that. Um, I mean, that's uh, so. You know, there's definitely a reason. I don't know. I it I, I to me it, it seems. I mean, I know Seymour Hirsch is a um, is is a Pulitzer Prize winner, very accredited, yeah, journalist. But uh, they also like to have their big splash articles. So, you know, it's just, um, and, and, and the rest, I'll have to read it. I, I, I've had a bunch of people sending me links to it and I've seen, I've seen a lot of mixed reviews on it. So, I, I mean, it's all conjecture outside of reading the article. Yeah. I would reckon, yeah, you should check that out. Right. We'll have to do another one of these. We'll have to get David in here next time there to you use, see how it goes. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely want to catch up on the other, um, the, the Twitter the, file stuff. Yeah. The Twitter file stuff. Again, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical i mean i don't have a problem believing that the government does things you know i i um but you know over the years i've kind of become a little bit more skeptical conspiracy theories when i was a kid when i was a teenager i definitely believed the cia killed john f kennedy because why else would they be covering it up later on i concluded uh that they were probably covering up their incompetence and letting it happen right i don't i i think that maybe there was a second gunner the trail went cold, and they knew that Americans just wouldn't accept that. 
but they couldn't do anything about it, so they they covered crap up. I but. think they killed him. I think they killed him too. Maybe there I'm a little go. too biased I, anti-government, you know, but it was. I'm. I mean, you know, I I remember watching JFK and uh, the magic bullet. I mean, you hear that, and it's just like that's come, right. I come think on. There, I think there was definitely a second gunner. Come uh, on, but um, and the reason they're still withholding the files, they don't uh, want to put them all out. They, I believe, because they because I think there, there was definitely a cover up. But I, but you got to check into the Twitter files, and then we need right. to have this conversation again right. just to um, see where, because I would be very. Interested I mean, we've, where we've had is. very real conspiracies. The the experiment on soldiers. The you know the the problem uh, is, is a lot of those conspiracies, especially now, are turning out to be true. Right. No. That, no. I mean that 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 was true. That was proven true. We did experiment. There, there were medical experiments on soldiers. Germ warfare which was totally illegal and why there wasn't a complete revolution after that we we don't know but did uh, did did the CIA kill um JFK did the um or you know or some elite group or something like that um did um did the uh companies that uh that Martin Luther King were organizing unions against have them killed and make it look like it was just a lone nutcase. And my mother even says that. He says, you know, notice in every other country when a political figure is killed, it's presumed assassination. But in this country, it's always some lone wolf crazy person, right? You know, I mean, it's just, it, now we never have a political assassination in this country, right? And then so, you know, I, I, it, it's, a, it's definitely a point. Um, and, and, you know, there were rumors that JFK was going to pull out of Vietnam entirely, for instance, that there were reports coming on. They didn't like that, you know, other stuff where they were mad at him for Bay of Pigs because he didn't provide the air support, um, and, um, or, or, or whatever. I mean, you know, but well, the governor Whitmer case, did you hear about that? That of the uh, 10 guys that were planning, I think it was 10. Uh-huh. That were planning to oh, kidnap there, her. There, there eight were, of them were there, FBI. That there, there were. Well, I don't know about eight, but it was. Uh, it was all but two, I believe. So whatever the I think total more than that was, have been convicted. In the Whitmer plot, yeah, I think more than two have been convicted. There were two of the four that have been convicted, but I think the other people have been convicted in sub subsequent trials. So I don't know. So it doesn't. Uh, Maybe I'll have to dive back into that. Yeah. I believe and, and for sure them, a majority were, were FBI guys. Four of them were charged. Two of them were acquitted. Um, and, uh, and two of them were convicted, uh, of four of them were charged. And I thought there were other cases around that too, that were still pending, but I don't know. I'll we'll chug see. into that one again. Yeah. I don't know, but there well, were definitely, there were definitely shit that goes people in, in there. And we know that people do infiltrate that. And, and the question is, did they, um, was it entrapment? Um, and that's the key question. Yeah. And, and we ran into that. With COINTELPRO in the sixties, have you ever watched? I believe it's the movie is called. It's a docudrama actually called Nineteen Seventy One. Okay, uh, you can find it on uh, I think on PBS, but it's on. Uh, it's about a group of pacifists who broke into the FBI headquarters in nineteen seventy one, and th- that turned out to be the COINTELPRO uh, thing that that uh, did it, and the government was involved in all kinds of stuff then. I mean, they were they weren't just monitoring the left-wing groups they were breaking up peace movements i mean doing everything from spreading rumors that you know somebody was having an affair to break up a power couple that had organized you know a whole thing and that whole chapter of of whatever the peace group was collapsed right i mean bizarre things like that and well, wasn't that the story around mlk was that was it the cia or the fbi oh, there, it was the fbi hoover hated his guts but this was but this was people actually infiltrating 
the movement and to to undo it as a political movement, not to control it so that it didn't crime didn't come out of it, but actually that the mission, the FBI mission, was to make sure that the anti-war movement was ineffective or try to. Um, and um, and this group broke in uh, to a base, and it, it, it's it's like a whole Mission Impossible thing how they did it. And finally, in 2011, when all of the statute of limitations had run, they came out with their story, and it's put into this. Uh, it's a documentary, but they have actors in it too, playing certain parts of certain parts of it. And it's fascinating. They couldn't. They didn't catch up with them. They they actually had them arrested at one point, but didn't know who they were. They were. I mean, it, it's uh, was. And um, but the FBI at that point was so incompetent they weren't catching anybody. They didn't catch the weatherman. The weatherman ran circles around them, right? So you know, it's just uh, an event. And they got so frustrated they started doing things like hanging guy out the window to try to get information out of him. What that ended up doing was. Um, was uh, poisoning all the evidence so that all, Weatherman's lawyers said, okay, come on in out of the cold. I can get you deals, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, from this. And they never caught up, and they and, and they were, they, Hoover was livid that they never caught up with this group in particular who busted in the FBI and stole all these files. Uh, it's it's called it's just simply called 1971. Look for it. It's fascinating. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. it's um, And COINTELPRO was a whole program of, Trying uh, of uh, Hoover trying to um, destroy the peace movement. I mean, it wasn't that oh, there's criminals in there and we want to keep watch of them. You know, anybody who wants to become a radical, they actually wanted to destroy the peace movement, and that's what they did um, under the guise of well, we're keeping them on on their toes so they can't do anything crazy like blow the arm off the Statue of Liberty, which was an entrapment thing. I don't know if you ever heard of that whole thing, but yeah, there was a group that was trying to do it, and it was like the Michigan thing where half of them were were at least informants if not actually that's it's a scary thought because it does happen and the question is just how much there are people that say that happened with the blm protests with january 6th there there was some interesting stuff that happened on the in during the blm protests but my um uh my parents were convinced that eldridge cleaver was an agent way back then um all, he was in jail for cocaine. You read about it in a, a great book that he co-wrote with his attorney slash lover, uh, Betty, uh, Beverly Axelrod, uh, Soul on Ice. Um, but he um, he w- he got a deal. All of a sudden, here he is, this guy facing pra- you know practically life in prison, gets out uh, of a cocaine charge, and it's really vague as to why they let him go. He comes into leadership in the Black Panther Party. All of a sudden, Huey Newton... Um, um, the um, you know, H. Rap Brown and Bobby Seal and all the other leaders are arrested, and there he is, and he leads a um, ambush, a, a, a gun, actual guns of against the Oakland police, and somehow he doesn't in, end up in jail. Um, and uh, you know, he did later on end up in jail. I think they had to make it obvious that he left the country and all that kind of stuff. And then you know, a few years later, he comes out of um, prison. Um, you know, going around tour, wowing the Rotarians about his tales of his radical past and how he's a right winger now, born again Christian, blah blah blah, and um, and the the interesting thing is, is that that didn't surprise my parents or a lot of people who were active at the time. They thought he was it was really strange that he was allowed to be out. All the other leaders were there when everybody knew he was the one who organized that ambush of the police that I think somebody was actually killed in and. Uh, 
and, and the rest. And um, the the belief, I I don't know what I think about it. I mean, it's kind of crazy. But my parents think maybe he was an if not an agent, an informant. You know, hey, you, you can get out of jail if you do these things for us. Um, A lot of the conspiracy theories are not yeah. turning out to be conspiracies. Right? Anymore. No, it's 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 very uncomfortable. It, it is, and there definitely were plenty of people. Have you had a chance to watch the? Um, Trial of the Chicago Seven? No, I haven't. But I have been watching the World at War. Oh, watch that! That's, that's, you recommended yeah, that. That yeah. was really good. It is really that was good. incredible. Well, that that's good because they got him at right the right age. After a lot of people are coming out of being, um, you know, having shell shock and the rest, but young enough to remember things freshly. It's just the perfect time. That's why it'll probably always be the best documentary on that. And very interesting perspective. Some American people are are you know pissed at it because it didn't make America be the center of attention of the whole war. It focuses on a lot of different other things like that. And uh, but it was, yeah, it just was well written. Well done. Yeah, it was just really well done. Um, well, the trial of the Chicago Seven. There's there's a point where um, where Abby Hoffman, who did a stand up thing during the trial, says, and I call this phase of the trial with friends like these, and it talks about the informants and and several of the informants came to testify at the trial. Um, and um, that people who are acting like they're activists. Do you know who Ray Epps is? Have you heard of that name? I've heard of the name, but... This guy from the January 6th stuff, and uh-huh. he was outside of the Capitol screaming that people should storm the Capitol building and we need to get in there. Uh-huh. And people, there are videos of people in the crowd screaming back at him that he's a fed. Oh, Fed, fed, and he's just walking through the crowd. Well, that's what I... Just, of oh. all the January 6th people, this guy's fine. He was never called in. He never had to testify. Was never asked any questions. Just, nope. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I I know that um, that there is a guy who they claim was a Fed who's uh, been terrorized um, by and the rest is in hiding because of it. So I don't know. I don't know if it's the same guy or not. But the fact uh, that they can do that and it's just get off scot free. The FBI scares me a little bit yeah. when you think about Waco. When you think about Ruby Ridge. Yeah. Well, and, sometimes people get off by turning in buddies. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's happened during the, um, during the McCarthy era, People, you you could get in by naming names, so to speak. Um, you know, Victor Navasky, who, um, died just a few weeks ago, actually was the editor for nation for years, wrote an excellent book on McCarthyism in Hollywood in particular called naming names, how some people, you know, there were the blacklists as you've heard, and they were, um, their, their careers were in jeopardy and actually ended some of them. And, um, but you could get out of it by going in and naming people that were your friends who you knew to be actors. Brought them out. And, uh, and the rest. And, and it, was, it was a performatory exercise because usually the government had all the names anyway. But if, if you did this, it was part of a ritual that showed that you were rejecting these people and, and, and the movement. And, um, yeah, it's excellent book that that he he wrote about it because it just created a whole um um dichotomy the the, the um forgetting the name of the director who um who did um uh, on the waterfront I'm, for some reason why am i not remembering his name anyways he was a person who named names he was a person who probably could have killed the blacklist um kazdan um uh, lawrence uh I always get it mixed up between the guy who wrote the Star Wars episode. Anyway, um, it, I think it's, it's Kazdan. I'm probably getting that wrong. But he um, he and um, Arthur Miller, 
who was a playwright famous for the crucible and um and death of a salesman and the rest had been working on a movie that was going to be about a guy who was uh, killed on the waterfronts because he was an informant against gangsters right and there was a point where they went to hollywood and somebody wanted to change it to communists rather than gangsters but you know the irony there is on the west coast you didn't see any um any um of of the gangster influence because the radicals kept them out of the longshoremen union but on the east coast they it was it was completely taken over at one point and they were doing a movie about this and arthur miller said you know fuck that i'm not going to do this you're rewriting history to play into this stuff so he walks away um and um but um kazan kazdan is the, the one is alaya kazan is the one who did um, On the Waterfront. And On the Waterfront eventually came out of it, and it turned out to be a justification for snitching, right? And uh, and Arthur Miller sent him a play called uh, View from the Bridge, which was a different perspective on snitching. Uh, you know, the guy who snitches is outcast. I think he got killed at the end. He uh, gets jealous of a, guy, of a woman that who's falling in love with an immigrant, and then he turns him in. Um, and... Um, he um it, and he sends um Kazan the um the the uh, manuscript and says you know and, and the guy saying well you you, know, you got yourself blacklisted I can't do this and he says oh I didn't want you to produce my script I just wanted you to know what I think of snitches I mean this is you know what happened these friends these were people who were good friends they actually did have a reconciliation later uh, when um, when Miller was on his deathbed but it was just um. But this, you know, these were two big shots. Arthur Miller married to Marilyn Monroe. You know, a lot of stuff going on. But the, this was the thing: was Miller could have gotten out of off the blacklist at any time by coming in and doing what Kazan had done. Uh, the Hollywood Ten, they made the mistake of not taking the Fifth Amendment. They took the First Amendment, saying you don't have the right to ask me these questions. Um, and uh, they got themselves blacklisted and jailed, uh, held in contempt, and the rest. Uh, good movie is Trumbo. Um, it it um it, it is uh i think maybe a little bit oversimplified trumbo kind of was kind of more dogmatic it makes him look more kind of enlightened liberal than he was he was more kind of communist dogmatic but um he did a you know great uh book johnny got his gun and, and the rest i mean really good author but there is a, a a play of a famous confrontation between him and john wayne who was completely behind the blacklist and um and the rest, and uh, and Ronald Reagan, who basically got his career started by turning in. He'd been the head of the Screen Actors Guild, and he said, "Oh yeah, rename names like crazy." Um, and all of this. Forget why why I, we veered into this topic, but there were a lot of um, informants, and and it, it's one thing to have an agent that is pretending to be an activist going into a group, but the other method is to get somebody that you've got leverage over to go in somebody maybe already trusted to go in and inform and maybe even manipulate. Well, and the agent gets even more uncomfortable when they're the ones instigating it. And right. then they just pass it off at the 12th hour to whoever, and then arrest that person. Yeah, no. And, and, um, and I think two of the four, um, were acquitted because of entrapment. I could be wrong on that, but I think that they, an entrapment is basically when you make something so enticing that it, it, it's it wouldn't have happened if you didn't do that right you know it basically it, it recognizes human weakness uh to that extent you know if you um uh, if you put you know some uh 
some heroin out on a stoop and somebody comes who's addicted and grabs it and you, so that you can go nail them, that's entrapment because, you know, maybe they, they wouldn't go out of their way to get it. But since it was right then and there, you know, they, you make it more likely that, um, that they're uh, going to do these things. And, um, and so, you know, if they were, if, if these FBI agents were central to the planning, they could probably do it. But two of them, the same jury didn't acquit another two of them. So I don't, I haven't read it to know. For the Whitmer case? Yeah. I'm going to have to look back. Yeah. Into two, two of them were convicted. It was for, all four of them were on trial and two were convicted and two were acquitted. And I believe that the two got off on entrapment, but the other two had their involvement in it had been so involved even before the entrapment stuff came up that they said, no, you don't have that as a defense. I, I but I'm just going from vague memory. I didn't read the article. Yeah. I thought it was a majority of FBI informants or FBI agents that had basically set up the whole thing. And then it, he's it, got just rope these guys into doing it. It, it may be, um, it may be that the two people were starting to set something up and the FBI agents moved it along. And so the, they might, the jury might've figured, well, those two were going to do something anyway, you know, regardless of what the FBI agent did. I don't know. I'd have to know. I'd have to go back and look at the case, but, uh, it's, um, you know, it's just, I can only read so much. Just, that is the problem. <laughs> it's right now I'm reading Albert Spears, uh, inside, uh, the, uh, third Reich. I re- strongly recommend it. Um, I'll have he, to check that out too. Yeah. He wrote it after he was convicted. I think he was in jail for 10 years. He wasn't know one of the worst of the nazis but he was gave it respectability because he was you know upper class guy professional um and the rest but uh yeah um uh, i'm i'm sort of fascinated with a good writer um i'm reading it translated from german of course but um but he um yeah uh died in the late 60s i'm not trying to remember but it um but he he, you know, you you don't like the guy even when he's writing it. I think he's in denial about stuff, but what he's writing about is to you know how you get drawn into a, a Nazi movement like that. Um, it's fascinating. I'll check it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, Eric, yeah. this was fun as always, man. All I had right. a great time. Yeah. Thanks. Do you want to plug all your stuff where people can find sure. you? Redwood Wonk. Uh, Redwood Wonk, uh, you can see on Channel 12 at different various times, I believe uh, Tuesday and Thursday at 7 o'clock, uh, and you can uh, also hear it on K- KZ, uh, KZSC, no, I think I think it is KZSC, boy, it's been so long since I've said it, um, but on, on the Access Humboldt um, um, radio station, I do that, and then I also on KMUD do Monday Morning Magazine on the third Monday of morning of every month, along with Julia Minton, and I do uh, All Things Reconsidered on the third Thursday of um, the month uh, at 7 o'clock. I compete with myself because my recorded self competes with my live self on Thursday, uh, on that Thursday, on uh, uh, on that. But it's, I, and I do um, with um, Dave Frank uh, is usually my partner at on redwood wrong he's brilliant um and we uh, you know do uh do these things together and then um but sometimes we'll have other people when one of us can't make it on there so so do a little bit of a uh sometimes rotation um but anyway i i um so and, and if anybody wants me to cover a certain subject they can uh reach me at redwoodwonk at gmail.com um they can reach me there 
or they can reach me on my email address at ericvkirk at gmail.com. I'm public about that address. But make sure you get the V in there because erickirk at gmail.com is this conservative guy on the East Coast who's tired of getting my e- political email. So make sure you get the V in that name. Okay, well, Eric, right. thanks, man. This was this Thank was a blast. You. That was a lot of fun. Thank you.